You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to the 42 cast, your ultimate answer to fandom, geekiness, and everything. As always, I'm your host, Nathan, and we have another great episode lined up for you when we're going to talk about season one of Marvel's Cloak and Dagger. Uh, but before we get to that, just want to explain a few things. As I'm sure that you realize, Cloak and Dagger has currently finished airing its second season. So this is another one where I'm behind. We recorded this one last year after the first season aired. And I had wanted to get this out before the second season, but because of all the delays, it hasn't happened. Just to keep you all posted on what's been going on, my wife broke her foot at the end of June. At the same time, my boss has started demanding that we work 50 hours a week instead of 40 hours a week. So that has led to some difficulties with scheduling, especially since uh, my wife can't drive because it was her right foot that was broken. And so I'm having to take care of transportation for children, transporting her to her doctor's appointments, things of that nature, as well as working a 50-hour week. So it has not been very easy, and I have definitely not had much time for editing. I've edited a little bit here and there as I've had time, and I'm finally done with the episode. I want to say that things are going to get better here, but after the track record of the last few months, I don't know. I am looking for someone to help me with the editing. I think that that will be the biggest thing, is if I can get somebody to do that. But I just wanted to let you know that that's what's going on right now, and I'm hoping that I'll be able to release at least two more episodes before Dragon Con. Preferably it would be three, but I don't even want to suggest three at this point. So that's what it is. So <laughs> I hate to start on a downer, but uh, that's kind of the situation right now. But let's just join the podcast and meet our cast for this week. Going along with that theme of light and dark, let's meet our guests for this week. So first of all, going with the ray of hope, our light, that is... Our buddy from the Satellite of Love, Mr. Mike Nelson, the Trex himself. I don't know. what do you <laughs> Trex Light, is that what it is, Mike? That, that's, that, that's actually it. Yeah. yeah, Trex Light. That's it. Yeah, sorry. Um, so, yes, Trex Light. So, how are you doing, Mike? I can't believe I actually, at first, I didn't put it together. It was like Trex Light. Like, oh, yeah, my, light, my name has light in it. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> There's another reason for it, but we'll get into that in a second. Okay. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Just, uh... A little sleep deprived, but that's my problem because I'm a gamer and I need to stop doing that. Oh, I have yeah. to remember I actually have a nine to five job, and when three a.m. comes around, I'm playing a video game. I'm like, oh yeah, I need to go to bed. Yeah, I didn't usually have that problem. Although there was one time where I played Civilization one night, and it just let the sun came up, and then it was like, oh crap. But <laughs> those. But my issue was watching anime when I was in college. And I just watch anime like all night long, and that was like, oh yeah, I probably should have slept. So 
Yeah, that's kind of what I did Saturday night or Friday night and Saturday. I didn't get to bed until four because I had an anime playing in the background and mm. playing video games. I'm like, oh guys, I need to go. <laughs> it's like, oh, we need to go. We we gotta go to bed. Woke up at two o'clock each day. I'm like, well, there goes my day. <laughs> right. Yeah. But that's always been a problem for me because my body wants to sleep from like you know four in the morning till noon. So uh, I'm always a night owl. Yeah, same, yeah. I, I was so productive. I edited podcasts. I, I I edited a website, but and I played some video games. So like, why can't I do this during the day? Mm-hmm. Weird. So yeah, that at least at least you're having fun though, right? Yeah, lots of fun. Four hours of sleep, fun. Yeah. <laughs> I was ready to take a nap yesterday. My boss was like, Mike, you look tired. I'm like, I am tired. He's like, you been playing video games? I'm like, man, it's rough. <laughs> and my boss is a gamer too, so he fills me. Oh, okay. Well, that's good at least. That dude been popping caffeine pills like they were candy. (laughs) Oh, man. So do you ever have the boss battle? Actually, we're on the same... uh, We play World of Warcraft together, actually. (laughs) No, I... We're on the same team. I'm sorry, there's a meme going around. I don't know if you've seen it, where the guy is like... The the, the boss comes up to the guy, and he's playing video games at work, and he's like, you can't... The boss says, you can't play video games at work, and he says, hold on a second, I've got to finish this boss battle, and then he turns around and punches his box oh, yeah. and knocks him oh, away. Yeah. That's a classic. <laughs> yeah. That was probably my last job. This job, like, both of my coworkers are just gamers. So, like, I, I have Yu-Gi-Oh! playing on the second monitor that people can't see unless they actually come into the office. And most of them, they just come in with questions like, hey, what you playing there? It's like, oh, well, I'm playing this, this, this. <laughs> <laughs> then when actual another person comes up that's not a gamer, and it's like, oh, I could probably get in trouble for this, like, alt-tab. <laughs> Master of the keyboard. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm so jealous of you IT guys because, like, every IT guy I know, like, you know, like plays video games and does stuff like that at work or watches movies. And it's like, man, I wish I could have that job. Well, well understand, I'm, I, I, I started this job back in March and I still feel like I'm on my toes. I, I'm making sure I'm, I'm always busy, but. I still remember my first day, and my boss asked me, like, you play World of Warcraft? And he swings his monitor around and shows me the character. I'm like, are you encouraging this? Is this what's happening right now? Because I'll download. I'll do it right now. I started downloading World of Warcraft 2, and, oh, my God, I remember a couple people came into the office like, hey, is the Wi-Fi going is down right now? Is it, it's going really slow. And I'm like, um, I'll take a look at it. Click, 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 close, wow, close, wow, call, install. Like, whoops. <laughs> I guess I'll do the off hours. <laughs> that was wow. like my favorite moment ever. Yeah. <laughs> oh, at least you get to enjoy yourself at work. I do. I love my job. <laughs> well, yeah, if you can play video games all day, who wouldn't? <laughs> yeah. Don't worry. I am a hard worker. I'm diligent. Everybody in the company loves me. Okay. Just let me get World of Warcraft rating real fast. Okay. Oh, well, that's awesome. Um, anything else you wanted to talk about? I like golf. Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> we, we we just opened up this uh, golf simulator called Top Golf Suites. That's been our project for the last four months. And for the past month and a half, we've uh, we've been working. Do, we did the cabling ourselves in ho- in-house, which was all of our first time. And even for our network guy, he, I mean, he knew what he was doing. But, I mean, we, we still did the cabling ourselves. And our first day, we were just throwing cable, just feeding it, just, ah, we'll clean it up later. We got this. Just, whoosh, like long feats of cable. We get closer to the date that we're about to open, and we're getting into crunch time. And 
my boss just looks at all the cable that he pulled and he was like, yeah, it's going to be okay. He looks at it, he's like, oh my God, what are we going to do here? Oh my God. Just so it's, it, this has been like the a stress level for the past month and a half. And leaving the last podcast, I didn't show it, but I was super tired then. But now it's all done. We have Top Golf in our first floor building, and we I did a couple of the swings a bit, and uh, I am not good, but <laughs> I did enjoy myself. So, so do you work for a gaming company? No, I actually work for a hospice company. Okay. But <laughs> then they had a golf simulator project. Let me tell you this. This, my boss, the owner of the company, he is like the epitome of entrepreneurship. Okay. You've been in Columbia, Nathan. <laughs> yeah. He owns the 1600 block of Columbia Main Street. Okay. He owns two, he owns three restaurants on that block. He runs the, uh, the hosp- he owns the hospice main office that we have on our main street then in center street in west columbia is actually another facility we own two hospices in columbia one in aiken up uh this upstate low country like we he's all over the place with hospice and then he does the restaurants now we got the top golf here and now he's coming to me and he came to me months ago about this he wants to open a gaming esports bar and he looks to us in it we're like we'll do it <laughs> All right, well, sounds like at least you got some variety going on. I'll never leave. <laughs> All right, well, cool deal. It's good to have you back on, Mike. It is great to be back. All right, and now we swing to the other end of the spectrum. He is the guy that represents darkness and fear, and that is our nemesis, um, Mr. Ryan Guthrie. How are you doing, Ryan? I- I'm doing great, and I'd like to point out that everyone loves Darth Vader and okay. the dark side, so... <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's fair. If you admit to being the epitome of evil, that's fine. Uh, evil has more fun. <laughs> Your cookies are stale, bro. <laughs> <laughs> but they're cookies. <laughs> <laughs> You can keep your rice crackers, you know? <laughs> so, I hate having to ask you this, Ryan, but how was Dragon Con? <laughs> oh my god, yeah, let me pay attention to this. <laughs> it, well, you know, after taking a year off, it was pretty freaking sweet. Uh, that's, yeah. I, I don't know, it, this, it was a little bit different. I don't know if it was because it's the first gap I've had in a while, or it was just a different vibe, but it was everything hit you know I, I even felt like i got enough sleep every night which was weird wow yeah speaking i mean I, it was like five hours a night but for dragon con that, that's great right and, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know i mean uh, all the panels were interesting the guests there no one was throwing furniture off of high <laughs> high uh, floors that's always a plus <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, so I, I don't know. It, it just felt really good. It felt like a, a return to norm. But to be fair, I'm coming off of a pretty bad year, like, you know, in regards to, like, the world as a whole. So I needed it, you know. But, yeah, I, I also did my first uh, photo op. My, my, the group that I was with was like, yeah, if we all go in, we can get a fo- our photo taken with uh, Peter Capaldi. And I was like, yeah, okay, sure, why not, you know. And one of the group got us matching T-shirts. <laughs> So I was like, okay, fine, why not? You know, and I, I, I've always made fun—not made fun, but I've never seen the point of photo ops. It just seemed like it's a waste of money. You're you, at best, you spend you know fifteen, twenty seconds with this person, and then they rush you through to the next one. I just didn't get it. 
now I get it. <laughs> you know, I, I can't explain it. It's, it's like a rush. It's like you're close enough to, to, to touch this person, and you do touch this person, you know, if they put their arm around you or whatever. And it's just like, I get it now. And I, I'm really kind of worried that I might decide to do more photo ops in the future. Huh? Well, as long as your wallet can handle it, I mean, I guess well, the more the merrier. Well, that's the thing I always find to be the problem with the photo ops is just you know how much it costs. Yeah, it's well, that's it, there are four of us in our group, so it wasn't as bad as it could have been otherwise. Yeah, I but you only did one yeah. celebrity too. You didn't yeah, do. That's true. You didn't do like oh, let's do everybody at Dragon Con this year. You know. Yeah, but the, up until now, the only one that I was ever tempted to do. And I regret that I didn't do it. Was uh, Leonard Nimoy? Mm. I had the opportunity to photo up with him twice, and I was like, "Nah, I, I don't see the point to it." But yeah, you know. So I don't know. I see this possibly being a thing going forward for me. Yeah, no, I, I much I enjoy uh, the autograph lines a lot more because sometimes if you luck out, you can actually have a decent conversation. Yeah, if, it depends on who the celebrity is too. I mean, because exactly. like, yeah, I mean, like a Peter Capaldi probably didn't have much free time, but like I walked up to David Hewitt when I was at Dragon Con and we talked for like 10, 15 minutes. Cause I got him on a Monday, you know, yeah. and, and, you know, everybody who wanted a signature, I guess is already gone. And so it was just like, yeah, we just gabbed. He, he didn't have a line or anything. So we were just able to talk for a bit. And so that was a lot of fun. Most, most of my conversations with celebrities have been in elevators at Dragon Con. Uh, I've been stuck on it, not stuck, but I've ridden an elevator up and down with the, pretty much the entire cast of the guild. Felicia Day and all of them. I with John Delancey, that was cool. Uh, yeah, I was on an elevator with him. This was like Dragon Con back in uh, like ninety ninety eight or something like that. So this was when it was still kind of small or smaller than it is now. And that that that's probably what got me hooked on Dragon Con. Actually, a couple years ago, it was Jamie Bamber from um, Battlestar Galactica. That was particularly funny because there was someone in the elevator who was cosplaying as a Viper pilot. And Jamie Member's like, well, who are you supposed to be? I, I don't recognize your costume. And, you know, <laughs> he, he just laid into this guy. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> My wife had breakfast with, well, not with, but, well, pretty much is a communal table with James, Edward James Almos. And so, yeah, yeah, I kind of hate her for that. But that's what I get for not getting enough sleep and sleeping too late you know? yeah my buddy sean he had several run-ins with lou ferrigno at successive years in dragon con and so it was like he's like they got to the point where like lou ferrigno actually recognized him because it's like they were always down at the hotel at breakfast together and so yeah. it was just like ah, uh, uh, you know kind of stuff so that sort of thing's cool that kind of story you know it, it's I, I have i have a couple of lou ferrigno stories too but none of them are good and if you're listening to this, Lou, oh, it's a good thing there's computer screens between us. You know? <laughs> wow. Now I want to hear the story. They're, they're, they're not. Okay, the first one, it's actually the same year that I met John Delancey in the elevator. But we, my wife and I, we were on the, on the escalator going up. And then I heard this whistle. And this, excuse me, moving through, coming through, move. And we turned around as Lou Frigno barreling up the escalator pretty much not knocking everyone out of the way but demanding that people move and and, but i kind of get that you don't if you're a celebrity you don't want to get trapped on an escalator it's probably terrible and then um a couple years ago at phoenix comic-con we were going to check out of our hotel room and i was next in line to check out and they go next please and i start walking up and then out of nowhere i swear the guy's got the skills of a ninja lou ferrigno is there and he cut in line in front of me (laughs) to check out of the hotel you know (laughs) 
And, you know, I, I was tired, so otherwise we'd have had words, but yeah. <laughs> yes, because I'm sure you would intimidate uh, Lou Ferrigno. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I just see you right now, like, poking your finger into his chest. <laughs> Squishy. <Yeah. laughs> Let me get my Hulk hands from upstairs, and we're doing this. <laughs> They're autographed. and Can you autograph them? Yeah. <laughs> That's that's what's so awful though, because like sometimes you know you really like a celebrity and then you like find it, and and the thing is you're never really sure unless I guess you beat them multiple times, like it was just they had an off day or whatever. But yeah, I've had those experiences too, where it's like you know, hey, I like this person, but then I met them and they're really not as cool as I thought they were. And then sometimes you meet somebody and it's like they take like ten minutes to talk to you, and you're like, I love this person. <laughs> you know, they're a celebrity and they'll chat with you, and that's great. <laughs> I mean, it, it's crazy, right? Because I, I don't hold those against... I, I joke about Lou Ferrigno. I mean, you know, I don't assume his entire character is based on those two incidents. But it is kind of funny, the stories like that, because Peter Capaldi, I didn't see him once, but apparently he was all over the con. Uh, he crashed several parties. He, he apparently crashed a Doctor Who panel. Um, he, he did one signing using a Peter Capaldi puppet, apparently i don't know you know oh my god but yeah yeah so he was everywhere from what i understand and it's like it literally I, I would be on one side of the con and then i'd hear the next day that he was on the other side <laughs> and it, we were just it was, it was annoying you know? <laughs> well yeah i mean the thing about peter capaldi is because talking with people that actually know him because you know i go to chicago tardis every year so talking with like the big finnish people and stuff like that and they're like yeah like he is a true fan like, he yep. is a geek, just like we are a geek. So, yeah, I'm sure at Dragon Con, he was just having a ball, you know, because he just, just taking all the geeky stuff, you know. And, of course, since he's Peter Capaldi, he can go wherever he wants, you know, <laughs> and do whatever he wants at Dragon Con, because I mean, nobody's going to say no year, to Peter right? Capaldi. Yeah, this was his first year at Dragon Con. And, but, I mean, you know, there are just weird, interesting tales. Like, like I remember at, at the Marriott Hotel, there's a, a kind of a floating bar. It's called The Loft. And they used to keep a piano up there. And I remember one year just walking through Dragon Con and looking up, and David Carradine was up there just playing the piano. And, you know, I mean, where does that happen? Right. <laughs> yeah, it's a funny story. Like, the producer at Big Finish um, saw Peter Capaldi at a play, and he was going to go and give him, like, a signed Big Finish CD thing. And he was like, man, I, I've heard that he's a fan, but I don't know, maybe this is just, like, a little too geeky. Because, you know, there are people who are, like, like Doctor Who. And then there's like, you know, you know, you can call yourself a fan, but you're not like super duper into it, right? And this is before he had been cast as the as the doctor. He said and then he like saw like his dressing room where he had like Doctor Who memorabilia like plastered <laughs> everywhere and he's like, Oh, okay, this gift is okay. <laughs> you know? I mean, this it's is, appropriate. Yeah, this is appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, I like, like I say, I understand that he is actually a very big fan. Like, he was part of, like, Doctor Who fandom in, like, the early 70s, like, part of the club, yeah. you know, and stuff like yeah. that. So, so yeah, he's he's a geek. I, I think they had a, they had a letter circulating that he wrote to Doctor Who uh, back back in, like, the 60s or 70s or whatever oh, as, as a child. So, yeah, he's been, he grew up with it, you know? Right. So, uh, so yeah, that's. Yeah, yeah, so, of course, I didn't get to go to Dragon Con this year, but I will be there next year! So, that's where I'm excited. <laughs> and I'll work on a project for Dragon Con, but still... <laughs> oh. Mike, come! Oh. Well, it's not like I don't want to. <laughs> you have to talk to my bank account. <laughs> and remember, that's I fair. love my job, so that means I get poor, I get poor pay. Oh, <laughs> that's, that's, yeah. You've got to justify it as a work-related 
thing to do, like exposure or networking or I don't know, some nonsense like that. Just agree to work for Sean and Laura for like a few hours each day and then they'll, you know, let you stay I with them or something. I am not allowed. Oh, you're not allowed? Because it's not, and it's honestly, and even Sean and Laura both agree, it's not even a me thing, it's a guy thing. Oh, okay. Because guys don't bring the booth, mm, you know? Okay. As sexist as it sounds, booth babes do work. Okay. That's so, fair. I can't, I can, I you can go and drag. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> you know what? You're you're not giving yourself enough credit here. <laughs> don't yeah, don't don't do that to yourself. Don't talk yourself up. Come on, <laughs> such a safe space. <laughs> if I ever were to come out, this would be the place to do it. <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, I guess I didn't think about that. I just figured that, yeah, anybody who wanted to help. But, yeah, you're right. They, they want women. Definitely, every time they're at a convention that I can drive to, I'm like, Sean, you need me? <laughs> you, need, you need me to come work your con, dude? Come on. Let's do it. You know, I'll do it, man. He's like, Mike, it's okay. You can't do it. It's like, I know, I know, man. I just wanted to say I, I appreciate you. Well, I mean, I don't know if I just even for working I, I don't know what you would get as far as compensation for that but yeah I, you could always just volunteer for the con that'll get you the free ticket anyways but yeah you have, this is everything else that costs money yeah yeah i can't i, I cannot afford that hotel bill right well that's why i was saying because that's the thing the lodging is where it's helpful to like stay with sean and laura because then oh. they help with the lodging for everyone that helps them out if i was gonna go to anything i'd definitely be in new york comic-con with them right now oh yeah yeah I don't know, Dragon Con. I I can't imagine. I've never been to New York Comic Con. I can't imagine anything is as good as Dragon Con. But maybe I'm you're wrong. right. It's not. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> remember, I went to I went to New York Comic Con in 2011, and that was the year that Arkham, that Batman Arkham uh, City was coming out, the second game. And I went there. I worked it. I went from a Javat Center right there in Manhattan, all the way to Queens. Took the subway. I walked blocks and blocks and blocks. It did not prepare me for Dragon Con. <laughs> Dragon Con, one day, one 20-hour day, I was dead. <laughs> like, there's no con that can Well, part of the Dragon problem, Mike, is you're not supposed to do what you did and drive there and drive back. You're supposed I... to stay. Because, yeah, I, that would wear me out, too, driving in the morning and then having to drive back home to sleep, and it's four hours each way. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh. No. Uh-uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was uh, so worth it. <laughs> well i i can't say too much i mean last year we were trying to plot a way to drive through a hurricane to get there we're like <laughs> we can do this <laughs> well oh well at least you got like they let you like pay for like they they gave you free tickets for this year right because you didn't get to go last year yes yeah, you know, i mean dragon con was great they rolled forward our membership from 2017 to 2018 and after a little uh guilting uh the hotel refunded us our non our our deposit so that was fine i just had to go to twitter to shame them a little bit oh uh, okay sure yeah and um but no but Del- but and i'll say it since they were great too delta uh was great they i said hey we can't make it because of the hurricane and they're like oh yeah sure no problem and they uh as a matter of fact they helped me plan that trip to london that we did to make up for it last year so yeah yeah go delta They've made a loyal customer out of me. Yeah, because that's, of course, always my fear with the non-refundable. And that's why I'm glad I actually got into a hotel that's letting me refund up to, like, the day before. So it's like it's not the Dragon Con rate, but that's fine because the rate is actually really reasonable, just their normal rate. So it's like, 
I, I'm fine with that. So it's not a host hotel, but you know, I'm uh, I, I can change plans or have whatever happen, you know, at the last minute and still not be like, well, you know, I'm out a ton of money. Natural disasters, I think they made an exemption, but yeah, family crisis or something like that would have been a, probably a lot harder to deal with. But then again, uh, Dragon Con, I probably could have unloaded that room like the day of the con and, and gotten someone who would have taken it. It's, it's crazy. People people are looking for rooms even during the con if you check the groups. it's They're in hot demand. Right. Well, yeah, and you had a Marriott room, right? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's that's the highest demand one. So, yep. Okay. Uh, anything else uh, go on, going on for you since the last time you were? <laughs> since, since you came back from Dragon Con? No, I mean, basically, it's just I hit the ground running at work. It's, it, we're kind of like a staggering vacation, so it's like I, I was gone, So and then someone else has been gone since then, so it's just kind of been like working 50, 55-hour weeks, and then I'm coming home and like, oh, Iron Fist dropped. I guess I have to binge this now. And then, oh, crap, I'm doing a podcast on Cloak & Dagger. I better go finish <laughs> that. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and you probably still haven't even started The Gifted, have you? I have not. <laughs> You don't know what you're missing, man. Hulu recommended that next after Cloak and Dagger. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's like uh, Black Lightning and The Gifted, which were like the two great series of last year for the superhero side, and you haven't watched either one. They're both on my list. (laughs) (laughs) All righty. Well, uh, I guess we should move on. (laughs) (laughs) Now that we've spent 25 minutes just talking about, uh, you know, stuff we've been doing and Dragon Con, but... Oh, Dragon Con. I can't wait to come back. <laughs> <laughs> See, Mike, I don't know how you can do what you did. Because it's like, once I was there, I was like, I never want to leave. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. Sean was so desperate to keep me there. And, he wanted, and that was the year that we did the Star Wars project. And he wanted me there Friday night. But work just would not allow it. And even I was kicking myself in the ass about that. But, yeah, it's... It is definitely something I want to try to experience an entire the entire five days to do it, but I just fear I don't have the stamina to do it. There's so many things to do at Dragon Con, even during it, before and after, and it's like you just you want to do it all, but you know you can't, and I just get stressed out when I can't. So it's it is a, it is an event that I still hold to my heart. I want to go, and I want to go back. I just don't know when yet. That that's a very real thing. Even even if you cloned yourself, and or you could be in five different places at once, you're still going to miss a hundred different things. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you just have to accept that. I guess I don't know. I just go wherever they let me sit at a table and talk. Yeah, I did plenty of that, or wherever I can raise my hand vigorously. See, I didn't know if that was okay, because I don't know if you remember, but you there was the Once Upon a Time ta- uh, a panel that you did, Ryan, and I was sitting in like the front row, and I was talking yeah, with I you remember. guys like I was on the panel. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I didn't know how cool that was, but you know, I figured you were being wrong, so I should probably say something. <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually, I take that back. I don't remember this at all. So anyway, well, I wasn't telling you that you were wrong. Anyway, we didn't have that close of a relationship at that point. Now I can just call you out on and be like, this man is wrong. (laughs) This man is an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) Just stand up and point. (laughs) All right. Yeah, let's move on to our five minute controversy. Which hopefully will actually be five minutes since we uh, 
kind of expanded the introductions, which is funny because it's only two guests this time. <laughs> that's what Dragon Con does. Right. Yes. <laughs> it was a Dragon Con length introduction. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so as we're recording this, Venom is going to drop on the Friday. Uh, we're recording this on a Wednesday. And are probably, I guess, Thursday evening because everything drops on Thursday evenings now. Movies are 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 going coming earlier and earlier. Soon they're gonna you know come out like Wednesdays before the weekend. There are some showings of this tonight. I don't know if there are sneak peeks or whatever, but I know we have a mutual friend on Facebook who just posted that he's in line to see it now. Oh well, yeah, but I thought that he was media. But yeah, see, I don't know. I mean, sometimes it's for him, it's media, and sometimes it's I, I don't know. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know who you're talking about, but yeah, I, I thought that that was a media like a pre-showing thing to write a review like a day early if, if, well, if, they, if, they, if they've embargoed reviews that far <laughs> they should have kept the quiet yeah. <laughs> but the controversy is less about venom per se because i'm not going to talk about a movie that hasn't even come out yet and that i haven't seen the controversy is more about the reviews and there's been an allegation that lady gaga fans are uh, pouring out in droves to pan Venom to ruin the, the movie so that... Oh, God, I should have looked up the name of this movie. What is the name of the movie that's coming A out? A Star is Born. A Star is Born, thank you. For A Star is Born so that, you know, that that will get all the, all the people this weekend. So, my question. How much do you guys feel like we should pay attention to aggregate movie review things like Rotten Tomatoes? Or do you think that in this day and age where people could just ruin a movie by spamming bad reviews, you know, what what do you think that, you know, it's... Uh, where do you think the line should be drawn on that? So, Ryan, since you always have an opinion on everything, <laughs> and, and, and that will give me a good barometer for, you know... <laughs> What's the wrong answer? Right, yeah. (laughs) Why don't you start with this one? Well, I mean, just to quickly address the conspiracy that (laughs) Lady Gaga fans have nothing better to do than to try and bring down, you know, Venom. Because it can't do it on its own, you know? (laughs) I kind of put that in the same category as I I put uh, Snyder fans who keep saying that Marvel or Disney is hiring people to write bad reviews about (laughs) DC EU movies. And it's such, if you just take five seconds and think about it, it, (laughs) it's like, what? Well, yeah, I don't put it past individual people to do something like that. And and there probably is some nutso that does stuff like that. But whether it's or not, it's, it's it's in numbers to actually make a difference. Yeah. But leading into the actual question about these sorts of reviews, it comes down to sample size. If, like, I'm checking out uh, a review, like, this is why I don't really much care for Rotten Tomatoes or any of the others in the first week or so. Because all you do have is, are, are the media or the, the, real, the fanatics, you know, um, you, it's, it's low numbers. Uh, if if 30, pe- 30 people can swing it in either direction, it's got to at least be like, you know, four digits or more before I even pay any real attention to it. And, and at the same time, I do think you kind of got to find a balance between user reviews and critic reviews. Uh, they're, they're going in there, they're looking for two different, they're basically watching two different types of movies, right? They're, they've got two different types of criteria in mind. The people who are going to see it who are just fans are fans. And the critics are there because it's a job. And so it's, I don't really, I don't really think it's fair to, to compare them. I think often 
often as not, critics can be completely right about their critique, but it can still be a great movie. It can still be a, a fun, enjoyable movie, and the fans can be right about that too. So it, it's almost like they're talking two different languages. Hmm. All right, Mike, what do you think? I mean, honestly, as a reviewer in some aspect of form, I am this generation's reviewer. I have a YouTube channel. I have a Twitch channel. I have a, another podcast. I have many places to voice my opinion on it. But just as Ryan says, everybody going in is going in with different reasons. I'm going in to be as a comic book fan. My mom is going in there because she's a Tom Hardy fan. It's just we're each of us. And that's the thing about reviewers as well. Is like each of us are going in with a different thing. Each of us are going in or coming back with giving different feedback. And people are going to flock or congregate to that voice of reason that's similar to theirs. Which almost brings in that mob mentality a bit when you're basically in, or an echo chamber of sorts. I'm not a fan of Rotten Tomatoes. It's it, I tr- I treat it on the same aspect of Metacritic. Cool, nicely done. I mean, the fact that Dark Knight Rises got more, got better Rotten Tomatoes score than Dark Knight. All of a sudden, you know, it's a flawed yeah. system. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. <laughs> so. Uh, and people look at Rotten Tomatoes. I mean, for I mean, for God's sakes, what was it? I mean, even IGN has their scores. Like, I don't. For me, I don't go with a number system because numbers can vary. Just tell us what you, how you really feel. And the whole controversy with this, because I read that, I just saw the article on Facebook before we even started recording, and I'm like, Are you kidding? Yahoo Entertainment, are you serious? Reporting this? This? Who cares? Stars Borns, of course, is going to do much better than Venom because no one had faith in Venom. Sony no cares. <laughs> Sony would like to create the narrative that it's a bunch of rabid Lady Gaga fans that are tanking Venom so that they didn't just make a poor movie. You know, uh, sorry to, to jump in there, yeah, but yeah. I, I, no, I just think it's interesting that it, a Stars Born and Venom basically come out at the same time, but it's actually two different times. Uh, Sony has dropped Venom. At the we're past the some we're past summer. This is the doldrums of the superhero industry, and a Star is born. They dropped that. At, oh, this is the beginning of the Oscar season, and you know it's this just an overlap in this one moment. Yeah, it really is. Like Bradley Cooper knew exactly. What he was like, yeah, we're gonna bring this out. We're gonna get that Oscar, Lady Gaga. We're gonna do it. <laughs> Wait, what the hell is Tom Hardy doing here? <laughs> is it is it is it July? Is it still summer? <laughs> Like, dude, this is Halloween now. What are you doing out here? Like, I'm playing a bad guy now. Like, ugh, gross. Go out here. Tell me you did it better. <laughs> yeah, I just, and even for my viewers' sake, people who listen to my reviews just is kind of an echo chamber. But I also have the mentality of every time I do a review, I always talk about the good. Now, every bad I talk about, I have to talk about the good. So my theory is I always find the good in people. I always find the good in movies. I'm not seeing Venom. I don't want to give it the satisfaction. (laughs) (laughs) I was against it the entire way through. (laughs) Well, I didn't want this to be like a, like a slug fest on Venom. Because like I say, I haven't seen it. You know, I will see it. I will see it in the theater this weekend. Oh, wow. Yeah. See, for me, it's a Netflix movie. It's Netflix. (laughs) Unless I just hear from people that I know, like overwhelmingly that this is great. 
then I might change my mind because my mom is actually visiting in a couple of weeks, which will give me an opening to go see it so that she can watch the kids. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not expecting that I'm going to get that feedback, but we'll, but we'll see. But yeah, I mean, that kind of brings me to what I was going to talk about is that for me, I don't really trust the ratings on movies that are given by, you know, like paid critics and whatnot. So I usually wait for somebody that I know to comment on it. People that I can at least, you know, based on how we've talked about movies before, I can usually tell, you know, like, hey, if this person likes it then it's pretty likely that I'm going to like it. Or if this person doesn't like it, I'm probably going to like it. <laughs> you know, because there are some people that look for the same things that I do in movies, and there are some people that don't. Whereas with a critic, or with just ratings on numbers, it's like it's hard for me to tell, because did those people that reviewed it think the same way that I do? Or not? So I, I, I tend not to trust those things, and I'd rather just stick with people that I know. All right. So, yeah, not really that big of a controversy this time. But I was kind of <laughs> curious uh, how everybody uh, felt about this uh, issue and, you know, whether, like, uh, you guys, you know, are really into the, the critics and, you know, checking the ratings and stuff like that or not. Well, I mean, I we can we can talk about Pluto anytime you want, Nathan. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I will. And just on, like, on a, on a period on it, uh, in a sense, I remember growing up before the internet, like, everyone knew... Cisco and Ebert. Yeah. Everyone knew their favorite critics in their newspapers, everywhere. Nowadays, it's no one really remembers, no one even really yeah. knows their critic. They will just go and grab a random YouTube and, and a random YouTube that has the headline, not the video, but the headline that fits their view, and they'll share it. And it's like, see, this guy gets it, and the video could just be about nothing because they haven't watched it. Yeah. Or, Leonard Malton. <laughs> Do you guys remember Leonard Malton? Yeah. Yeah. So Beard you, and all. Yeah. But that's the thing, though. Because you saw or heard or read these critics all the time, you, you could sort of gauge your own reaction based on how they felt about movies that you had seen and whatever. But yeah, to, to me nowadays, it's like, you know, I wait to hear, like, from Ryan and from, you know, Sean and from other people what they feel, and I can kind of gauge where I stand based on, you know, several different friends, you know, and I'm like, yeah, you know, based on what these people have said, I'm pretty, you know, I'm pretty sure that I'm going to like it or I'm pretty sure I'm not going to like it. Well, to echo what Mike was saying, I mean, I completely agree. A lot of people, they've, and it's not just for, for reviews, it's right. politics, it's for whatever. <laughs> they have their opinion and then they, they just go find the first thing that agrees with them and they share that. Right. And, and a lot of times they haven't even read the article where it's like, you <laughs> yeah. know, even though the headline says this, if you read the article, it's actually not agreeing with the point you're trying to make. Yeah. <laughs> but I will say there's also a phenomenon where, I don't know if, if it's a kind of a cult or the or the echo chamber, it's like an echo chamber or a celebrity status where people will have that YouTube channel that they follow and they'll agree with that whatever it says. I mean, they what before they see the movie, this uh, like one of my favorite YouTube critics is a uh, movie Bob. I disagree with him almost half the time, but uh, I, I appreciate his analysis of the films, uh, wh whether I agree with them or not. But I know there are people who will who 100% share every video that he does and agree with him no matter what he says. And I just think we've entered a state where it's more about the team at times than the actual product. There are people who actually say Man of Steel and Batman v Superman are good movies because they will think that anything that has the DC logo on it 
is a good movie. <laughs> you know, and they can't just stand for the possibility that it isn't. You know, because otherwise there's no way that anyone can like Man of Steel or Batman. Superman. <laughs> and yet they're quiet about Green Lantern. <laughs> Ooh, what you got now, Aaron? <laughs> you know what? <laughs> <sighs> I hate that. I hate when you do that, Ryan, because now I'm going to have to defend that movie. Because <laughs> even though I don't think it's a great movie, I don't think it's anywhere near as bad as people say it is. <laughs> hey, Ryan Reynolds made a great uh, Kyle Rayner. <laughs> Oh, man. I'm going to have a Green Lantern podcast. <laughs> I am. Fine. I, you know what? I want to talk about Guy Gardner, my favorite. Okay. <laughs> oh, man. See, if you had been on the Black Lightning podcast, if you had actually watched the show, I spent yeah. like 15 minutes talking about Green Lantern and how Jon Stewart should be on that show. So there you go. You would have had Green Lantern time. Well, I, you know, it's, I was saying that Diggle should be John Stewart before uh, but see, it was cool. but yeah I, I hate that because he's not John Stewart he's John Diggle <laughs> and Diggle could have been a nickname or something <laughs> it's, it's it's too much pro. trying to force Whip a square pro. peg into a round hole there witness protection Nathan witness yeah, protection well and even right. then there's no way because then he would have to write him out because there's no way that a Green Lantern could be on Arrow because the power discrepancy would be so great that it would be like he would overshadow Oliver on his own show. Well, I mean, we're clearly, yeah, we're talking clearly last episode or spinoff or, mm. or whatever. I mean, you know, it's just just a little Easter egg. It's like every time they the Flash has Ferris, they're at Ferris Airfield. Well, well, and so, okay, all right. So I'm just gonna say this really quick, even though it has nothing to do with our topic. <laughs> so my argument was, since they've already talked about Ferris Airfield, it should be the Hal Jordan Green Lantern on Earth One. They need to have the John Stewart Green Lantern on the Black Lightning Earth, and then they could have Kyle on the Supergirl Earth. So you could actually have a bunch of different Green Lanterns on all your different CW shows because they have all these different realities going on. on hold on, uh, Ryan. I got your back. I got your back. Yeah. Where's, where's the Guy where's, Gardner? Thank you. <laughs> well, you could do Guy Gardner on the Supergirl one instead. I don't really... I don't know. <laughs> Guy is the one I know the least about, so he was kind of like not... I don't care. <laughs> As the sexist foil, he would make perfect sense on Supergirl. No, oh, okay. See, I was thinking Kyle is like a fresh young guy. He would make sense on Supergirl. That's a good choice. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah. You're welcome, right? But they're team. definitely teasing Hal for for Earth One if they ever did put a Green Lantern because they've they've teased Hal multiple times in different yeah, ways. So. We've sort of even seen Hal Jordan. Right, yeah, Hell. we saw his name tag, but Oliver blocked yeah. out blacked out before he saw the face. So Yeah. Yeah. Alright, anyway. <laughs> We're not talking about a DCCW <laughs> show today. <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna take a small break here as we try to like get back on track and pause for this promo from another fine podcast. Everyone these days could use a little support, and your friends at the ESO Network are no different. With the ESO Network Patreon, the cool thing is, is when you help support us, it's you who will benefit. With four tiers starting for as little as 25 cents a week, you can listen to some of your favorite network podcasts early, hear exclusive content, maybe get some ESO swag, or even possibly take a shot at the geek seat. All you need to do is sign up at patreon.com backslash ESO Network.
And we're back. And now that we've uh, remembered what show we're doing this week, we're ready to talk about Cloak and Dagger. So, Mike, why don't you start us off by telling the people at home, if they haven't seen Cloak and Dagger, what is this show about? It's about a guy and a girl. (laughs) And (laughs) Cloak and Dagger, and it's really hard to say because I actually knew nothing. I knew about them. I just never knew them. (gasps) Oh, yeah. Yeah, I knew of Cloak and Dagger, but it's not like I picked up a book for them. They were kind of like just in the background. They were there for a fight scene, and that was it. Oh, my heart. I mean, it it never interested me in the least about who these two people were. But but when I learned about their powers, and I'm like, okay, they're pretty cool. And that's all really went. I never really went to the whole aspect of, I'm going to wear a cloak. I'm going to cosplay as a cloak. (laughs) <laughs> but Cloak, uh, Cloak and Dagger are basically two orphans. Well, I'm going by the comic books as far as my memory goes. Well, well, yes, since we're talking about the TV show, though, you could talk about the TV show. Let's go with the TV show. Okay. Because <laughs> the TV show kind of flipped it right. a little bit. So with the TV show, Cloak and Dagger is about two young people who, under mysterious, well, circumstances, honestly, serpent, serendipitous is the word. That's a big word. <laughs> Under serendipitous circumstances, they actually get caught into an accident uh, from an explosion from an oil rig. Weird and realistic. And they all of a sudden get powers. Wait, wait, did you say that completely seriously, that it was realistic? Well, I mean, oil rigs blow up. Oh, oh, okay. Sure, that part, I guess. (laughs) Everything (laughs) Everything else was Marvel. Okay. So... And this was when they were young, young kitties. Now, years later, as they're growing up into their nice teenager years, they are kind of on their separate paths. And honestly, and this is where societal in me kind of it flipped a little bit because we have Cloak. And please understand, I do not know their real names. Tandy. I'm sorry, not Tandy. Tyrone. Tyrone. Yeah, Tyrone Tandy's and- <laughs> Dagger. <laughs> Tandy is Dagger. Yeah, okay. So Tyrone is, he's a young black man at a prep school with prep friends on the basketball team, hard worker with a serious ass family and Tandy. I grew up with Tandy. (laughs) She's rough around the edges, lost her father. Me and Tyrone lost his brother, but she lost a father and mom's on the edge and well, Hey, if Drinking. you grew up with her, she's really cute, Mike. Oh, man, it's always a cute one. <laughs> yeah. Cute. I, I'm, yeah, there's, her con wasn't that unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's a freaking con artist. She's a thief. She's, I, I can't really say she's with the bad crowd. She has a bad dude, but they just do bad things because they're in love. Well, so, some are more in love than others. <laughs> Uh, yeah that happens i grew up with her (laughs) (laughs) yeah now it's the story we've all had (laughs) but under just again somehow stars align or you want to call it with the fates or the loas because we're we are in louisiana it's they find each other again and all of a sudden sparks happen oh well their powers activate okay (laughs) And it's an origin story. It's great. <laughs> Mike, have you ever done stand-up? I get told I should. Yeah. 
someone else get told I have a fake radio. <laughs> that is a fun way of describing the show. <laughs> I didn't know where you were going half the time. <laughs> <laughs> Neither do I. <laughs> so, just out of curiosity, Ryan, how familiar were you with Cloak and Dagger from the comics? Mainly just guest appearances uh, in other comics. I actually do have like the first three episodes of like Volume Two or something like that from the eighties. But I don't actually remember reading them. Okay. I think I just bought them because they were going to... That's how I was going to afford to pay for college. Oh, you know? those, <laughs> those weren't the comics for that, unfortunately. No, 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 no they weren't. <laughs> okay, so I guess I am the Cloak and Dagger fan coming into this one because I love Cloak and Dagger. I adored them from the moment I first saw them in the Maximum Carnage crossover for Spider-Man. And ever since then, I tried to find any, like, appearance or whatever. They, they tended to appear in New Warriors a lot. I went back and got their first three limited series. I did everything that I could because I just loved the concept of them. And I loved, I don't know, I just liked everything about them. They had this really crazy relationship. Their powers are really weird. Because in the comics, it's not about like, oh, I touch you and I see your hopes and I touch you and I see your fear. Tyrone feeds on people, okay? He actually devours them into himself. And if Tandy's not around, the hunger grows. He needs her light to keep him from being this, basically, this thing that just eats people. And if... And it's if like she, a vampire? Uh, Wait, but, what? Well, no, but like, like truly eats them. Like, they, they go into the cloak and they are, like, devoured by him. <laughs> They're gone. <laughs> well, that explains that one scene. I had right. many, many questions about because right. I freaked the hell out. I'll tell you what. Because, yeah, like Tyrone, like, no longer has, like, a true physical form. He's, like, a shadow in the shape of a man. And, like, if you touch that shadow, you fall into it. It's like a, a gaping hole in reality. It, it actually is a portal to the Dark Force dimension. So, so yeah, and if, and if, and if he's not around Tandy, her energy just keeps increasing to where she just becomes this thing of like pure like like of energy that's like harmful to others. So they need they need each other. They have this sort of codependent relationship where he siphons the extra light from her. And that also keeps him from needing to feed on people. So it's and 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 it turns into a love story and it's this weird thing but at the same time it's really compelling. And it's very street level. It's why I really wish this series had been on Netflix. Because it's all about, like, them, like, deciding, like, people aren't going to be preyed upon like they were. Because how their powers activate in the comics is that they take these experimental drugs. Because they're both drug users. She's She comes from an upper-class family where she ran away from home. And he's just a kid on the streets. And they take these experimental drugs that activated these powers within them that were, like, latent mutant powers. And after this happens to them, you know, and, and they go through what they go through, they decide that they're going to be, like, the protector's you know, of, of other kids and, and whatnot and keep them from having, you know, people prey upon them. And, and it's really cool. You know, I mean, it is like, you know, very steeped in the eighties and war on drugs and stuff, but at the same time, you could really translate that easily, I think to a modern setting. So yeah, I mean, the show is very different. <laughs> it's definitely cloak and dagger in name and some of the concepts but very little of the actual story translates over for that and i try not to hold it against it but uh <laughs> like i say i was hoping for something a little harder hitting than what we got and something a little darker but let's talk about our leads our tandy and i and our tyrone 
Unfortunately, the Tandy has this problem of looking just like Lauren from The Gifted and like... Dude, right? The the girl from the last season of Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. that was played by Dove Cameron. So it's like Marvel's like casting, like, you know, like, it's like, here, we have this cookie cutter. You know, you're about yay high, you're blonde, you know. What's your lips look like? Uh, right, they're yeah, pouty? how pouty are your <laughs> lips, you know. <laughs> I find that a little unfortunate. So yeah, Ryan, what did you think of the uh, of, of of the of the two leads? You know, I, I'll, this whole podcast is confusing me because I, I I don't know. Are we talking about Dabney Coleman or Henry Thomas? Because uh, that's the cloak and dagger I watched. Yeah, that one that one crushed. I, I, I acknowledge that. But no, uh, that's actually thinking back on it. I, I, that's really why I bought this Cloak and Dagger comic books was because I saw an a movie in the eighties with Dabney Coleman called Cloak and Dagger at the Alamo. It was great. But to your question, sure. <laughs> sorry, it's it's late for me too. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Lack of sleep. The leads themselves were acceptable. It's kind of like this was this show's on free. It's not on Netflix, obviously, like you mentioned. It's on Freeform, and it's very much on Freeform, right? Right. Um, it, it is I've definitely skewing for a younger audience. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, I, I've accepted that. Like the CW does, like the dad jokes, and Freeform. It, it, I think this is what they think kids are doing, how they're hipping with it, but it's <laughs> not. You know. <laughs> so. Uh, they at the first honestly i didn't learn their names until probably four episodes in i just <laughs> they, it didn't grab me they didn't grab me until at some point when i, I could finally just decide that i liked these characters and I, I think that's because they were playing it in a kind of uh i hate the world mentality it's very hard to find these characters likable in the beginning and so i didn't like them that's fair and that's not the lead's fault i mean that i that was their direction. I have a lot of problems with a lot of the directions. There's there's only one actor who wasn't one of the leads that I thought was terrible. But otherwise, yeah, I, I feel like they were competent in their performance, especially towards the end. But in the beginning, it just it started off very slow in every way. No, that's a fair assessment, I think. Uh, Mike, what did you think? I'm kind of in the same boat. It was a high school life that I didn't have. and You didn't even... go to the prep school with the, you know, the rich kids? <laughs> I didn't, and I didn't have a girl flawing all over me right, that no, really I, wanted me, and I'm clearly clueless about it. Uh, so disappointing. So who did you give your letter jacket to? I'm confused. <laughs> no, I didn't get one. So for me, both actors were stale, especially Tyrone. When Tyrone first spoke, I'm like, you are one monotone bastard. <laughs> Like, wow, is this your level of rain? Is this all you, you're in the same octave? But they, they were playing moody teams. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. what range is there? You go up and down from that. <laughs> I so, hate everything. You know? <laughs> yeah, and it, that was basically my thing starting out was I went straight into looking at the actors before I even really went with the characters and seeing how they were approaching this role and I just couldn't get behind the actors at first. They definitely grew on me throughout the series, which was a, which was a, a emotional roller coaster just on how I felt with the first episode. And just like, all right, fun. Let's just do another one. And it just snowballed. And and then, oh my god, I remember it. I was watching on Hulu. I caught all the way up to like episode eleven. Then 
Absolute Eleven was a big cliffhanger. I'm like, wait, is this it? Is the show's over? I'm like, oh, there's one more? Oh, my God, I have to wait a week? Oh, my God, I'm on real time now. <laughs> what is my life? And <laughs> I couldn't really get into involved with them because it, they were monotone. I felt Tandy was really just, we get it. You've lost a parent. I mean, I'm a divorced child, but whatever. Not the same thing at all. I definitely agree. But uh, she, she, she went down a path that was probably the direction that she was going to go or anybody would make that left instead of the right. And I just didn't, I, I couldn't get with her whole thing. I just couldn't get it. Maybe it's because they brought in the mom and the home life way too late in that first episode. Cause it's like, okay, well she's on her own. Did she lose both their parents? Nope. The other one's just a shut in drunk. Gotcha. And maybe if we saw that first and then, then go and see her go off into her own home, Maybe I'll probably have a little, I would have connected a lot faster, but the first time, and I give it like maybe the pilot jitters, they were just really bland. And it wasn't until they touched each other, it's like, oh, emotion, you guys have it. (laughs) Yeah, the whole church thing is because in the comics, they live in an abandoned church. You know, that's like their base or their lair or whatever. And so that was a nod to that. But yeah, I mean... I don't know. It, 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 the problem, I think, with Tandy and with her living on her own was that, you know, you assume, oh, okay, her mom's a drunk and she's bringing home all these guys and whatever. But then, like, the one guy we actually meet, it's, like, because she can, like, read, like, people's, like, you know, part of their minds. You find out, oh, he's really nice and above board. And so it's, like, so, you know, you don't ever feel like it's really so dark and awful at home. You feel like she's just kind of, like, manufacturing it. You know, and being like, I just, I just don't want to be at home. I just want to be on my own kind of thing. And so then she just seems like a, a brat. I mean, I've I faked mean, the emo. I have. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's like, it's like her home life is so dark she can't live there, but she can hide her money there. Right. There were a lot of weird choices. I, uh, right, because I kept expecting that the guy that the mom brought home was going to be like this shyster that's just trying to get in her pants you know, and get whatever money she has. And instead it was like, oh no, he's really above board. He wants to marry her and they want, he wants them to be a family. And I'm like, first of all, whoa, this is really fast. <laughs> Second of all, you know, it's, uh, it, it just seems like really out there for this lawyer to be like, Hey, yeah, this is the woman that, you know, you see, that's kind of like the, one of the bigger failings of the show is it's so, they force it uh, just for plots convenience. He had to be like, well, he had to be someone who was above board. Otherwise, what happened to him wouldn't have motivated Tandy. Right. It's the same thing. She has to hide her money in mom's house. Otherwise, it wouldn't be used by mom to show how terrible she is. It's everything about it. Is, every time it, it's like it's like the freaking the, the assassin, a professional assassin, has to kill him in front of an open window on a street in new orleans because you know there's not likely to be cars going by or anything like that right. because it's the only thing way to make the story work it's just it, it was sloppy writing but um as much as i had difficulty with tandy tyrone was the one that really disappointed me because again i'm just informed by the comic so much when tyrone gets his powers like the word, like if you look at the word balloons for cloak, they're these weird, dark, black, super bold, scraggly letters. His voice should sound like this. But because they want him to be like this regular teen kid that can hang out at the prep school, it's like he's just this whiny, monotone brat. 
<laughs> origin. Yeah. Origin. Well, see, and this is the thing. I, I was feeling like, okay, all right, so this is season one. So if by the end of the season we get there, like somehow, like, because they're saying there needs to be a death or whatever, if his physical body dies and all that's left is like the dark energy or whatever and he becomes Cloak, that will be fine. But but that's not what happened. And we're going to get to that ending in a little bit. But <laughs> I don't want to talk about it now. I just feel like he's just still just a whiny brat at the end of it all. He's a teenager. Oh, God. <laughs> I think if they get if they get all the way to Agents of Shield time and they are how many are that many seasons at that point he's like in his twenties I mean he's technically supposed to be in college I'm pretty sure that college period he's gonna hit and we're gonna get that oh my god what happened to my voice <laughs> <laughs> uh, where's my body and and again it's it's early in the series but I'm really kind of flabbergasted that they. I mean, her her boyfriend was, you know, not... She didn't, wasn't really into him. He was just convenient. He was really into her. But it was one of those things where you could tell she didn't really care. I mean, she left him to rot in prison until she needed <laughs> something. So it's kind of like, okay. Aww. But, like, you know, they're setting up Tyrone with this really nice girl. And, you know, I mean, it seems like it's, you know, actually, like, you know, going somewhere in a relationship. I, I'm really confused that they didn't go for the Tandy Tyrone relationship. Because I thought the interracial, interracial relationship was one of the selling points of the concept of Cloak and Dagger. And so that kind of bothered me, too, that they're not setting them up as a pairing. Which is what I expected and, and wanted going in. Wait, were they always a couple in the comics? Yeah. I thought they were just like more, they treat themselves like brother and sister kind no, of thing. No, 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 no. They're a couple. I mean, it didn't become overt romantically right away, but yeah, they're a couple. They are a true couple. See, that's funny. I thought keeping them as platonic was actually one of the more original. It, it well, it's original. I mean, yeah, but, I mean, yeah. it's original in the sense of, but I mean, but that's not like who, who cloak and dagger. That's not part of the concept. <laughs> the concept <laughs> is this is one of like the early interracial relationships in comics. So, you know, to me, it's like kind of like moving against that, you know, to just have them be, you know, just buddies, but you know, whatever. I, I get that for this kind of show for, especially for a teen drama kind of show, that's unusual. Well, I, I think, I think again, if you're going to go with, pushing boundaries or, or whatever you could make an argument that oh hey men and women can be friends without having sex involved you know fair <laughs> but anyway yeah i don't know it, it disappointed me it, a lot of the see the thing is it's too mundane when it gets down to it and that's my problem is that I want them suiting up and fighting bad guys and too much of this was stuck in teen drama hell yeah. in school you know, and so I'm kind of, I mean, we got past, like, the, 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 you know, the things that they needed to get done, you know, but it took a whole season to get there. And so I just wanted to get there faster and move on to more interesting things. Hopefully season two will deliver more of what I want to say. I, th I think in that way, it's a lot like, actually in so many ways, in tone and style, it's a lot like Runaways, where, yeah, it is, like Mike was saying, it, it is... It's not an origin episode, it's an origin freaking season, and it's not until the very end where you begin to see the actual characters. Yeah. Yeah, and in fact, I, I, I felt the same way, that totally it was very much like Runaways, and the, the creator has said that if he can make it work, you know, uh, somehow, that he wants to do a crossover episode with Runaways, which would oh. be interesting, I think. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna breathing. need a moment. I'm gonna need a moment. <laughs> and and did you, could not take that. Did you guys notice our other crossover reference in this show? There were several. Okay, well, but I'm talking about the reference to Misty Knight. That was okay. You're you're talking about O'Reilly. Yes. You know, yeah. Saying, let me let me tell you about Misty. Or yeah. Sometime. Oh my god! I could, oh my god! I flipped out. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, because so far. When a show is on a different network, they haven't referenced it in any of the Marvel properties. So this is the first time that they've referenced a show in another network. And so and that was really Luke exciting. Cage, and then Luke Cage, Misty was like, yeah, my partner went to Louisiana. I'm like, ah, yep. she's talking about <laughs> Yes, <laughs> exactly. Yes. They mentioned, uh, yeah, at, uh, uh, in Luke Cage, they said, oh, Callahan's in Maui and O'Reilly moved to New Orleans. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. And, and they mentioned uh, both the Starks and the Rands in this show. So it was all over the place with the references. And, of course, Roxxon. Right. So this one was very much part of the MCU. Right. Yep, yep. So, yeah, which is weird because we talked about how Runaway seems like it's in an, uh, like its own universe. But if they link Cloak and Dagger to Runaways yeah. and Cloak and Dagger is linked to everything else, that links Runaways to everything else. So that that will be interesting. Oh, and and, you know... Just to be pedantic, there have been some connections between Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Netflix shows. Oh? At -hmm. least two. Sky, or Daisy, you know, she had a hacker friend named Micro, and she went to the same, uh, an orphanage uh, that had the same name as Matt Murdock's. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Okay, fair enough. Those those are pretty, those ones don't necessarily cross over, though. <laughs> no, it's not an actual character going back and forth. Like this. Right, right, right. Yeah. So, so okay. But anyway, yeah. I, I so yeah. I mean, I, if if I'm gonna put like the nail in the head though about the two characters and what I didn't like is that their lives were too mundane, and it, it has. I don't know. I I just it, you know was it nice seeing the lady from ER again as as Tyrone's mom? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> <Wait>, okay. <laughs> I don't really know her from anything else and don't know her real name, but I know she was on ER. <laughs> but I, I didn't really need Tyrone's home life, and I didn't really need Tandy's life either, and Tandy could have just been a better person overall. I don't know. It, it really, it, it sounds really like you just wanted them to start off in their mid-20s. Yeah, no, I mean, but at least 18. <laughs> <laughs> 21 drinking age right, yeah. well because in the comics because they're on the streets and, and without adults they had to make them 18 you know even at their debut so even though they were runaways they were adults legally so it wasn't like oh we have like kids you know in this book like living on their own you know it was a different time then but yeah I mean Tandy becomes like a hope vampire at one point it's just like do yes. you guys like really not want us to like her <laughs> you know because she's kind of a garbage human being, like, leaving the boyfriend to rot in jail, and, you know? It's like, I'm just gonna steal everybody's hopes away from them. I, I did, yeah, I wanted them to delve into that. I mean, did the hopes come back, or were these just shells of people after she was done? Well, but then, like, the one girl, the girl who was, like, the environmentalist, it's like, yeah. she actually, like, hangs with her for a little, because I was thinking the same thing, like... You know, but it seems like she still cared enough to, like, want to, like, get rid of whatever problems were going on. Like, I thought she was just going to become, like, totally, like, you know, I hate nature. Like, let's burn it all down because you stole that away from me. (laughs) Yeah, I was expecting to burn. (laughs) Right. So, so, yeah, I don't really know exactly what that does to somebody when you take it away like that. 
there were a lot of unanswered questions, especially regarding their powers. Yeah. See, I don't like that the origin was mystical either. I was hoping there was just like some Terrigen down there or something and just say they're inhumans. It could still be that. I mean, basically, and this is also based on that, you know, after credit scene, but my impression is basically that whatever substance is under the city, if if it hits you while you're in the water, you get a power. Mm-hmm. That's my understanding. Anyone else want to jump in the Gulf? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what I'm you're saying that. is when an oil derrick is burning, we should jump in the water. Look, I'm willing to try it if y'all are. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, the whole thing... See, and I know, because it was set in Louisiana, they wanted to set up this whole... But I really didn't care about the, oh, every so many years, Louisiana, you know, the New Orleans faces a danger, and it's mystical, and you need the darkness and the light, and one dies and one lives, and all that stuff. I was just like, I don't need this. Let's just have them fight some drug addicts, you know, some drug dealers. (laughs) You know? Give me my street level drama. I enjoyed the the story that there there was that it was the that episode that was talking about basically the history of yeah Louise every time Louisiana is in trouble there were the two and going and listening to the story of each one I I if I wasn't not just binging it in like a midnight hour rush. <laughs> Because it was a one again, it was one of those shows that I stay up till four in the morning because I was like, I can't stop. So I really wanted to go back and it's like, how much of this is actually part of Louisiana history? Because if you're gonna do a story and at least bring in a little bit of mysticism, a little bit of science, Louisiana would probably, I mean, New Orleans would probably be it. And especially to make it not just a mystical or even just a random this person got superpowers you bring in more of the lore of the area to make it more interest hopefully interesting just for, to bring a better setting around it instead of just having to focus on a derelict person and a boring jock it also should have been set in new york but you know that's another well <laughs> No, I know. They're trying to <laughs> vary things up because Marvel, now. everything happens in New York, and they're like, no superheroes anywhere else. So, you know. Uh, yeah, and that's that's what O'Reilly said at some point, you know, uh, superpowers, I've, I've seen it, you know. But I, I do think they actually did a good job, with the possible exception of maybe Harlem and Luke Cage. This show had the most city as a character. And, mm-hmm. it, I mean, it, Runaways tried to do a little bit with L.A., and they succeeded to an extent. But this, yeah, I, I like it or not like it, New Orleans was definitely a character in in the show. Hey, I was just so happy to see a superhero show that wasn't clearly filmed in Vancouver that, you know. (laughs) (laughs) There's that. (laughs) It's like, wow, like a swamp? You're not going to find that up in Canada, so that works, you know. (laughs) Go to Vancouver in a month. Oh, look, we got got swamps, eh? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) I don't think you're going to get, like, a southern swamp like that. (laughs) They might have some marshy kind of land somewhere, but it's not. It doesn't look like that. Uh, I guess. I guess Louisiana has good tax breaks for filming, you know. But I guess as far as the mysticism aspect of it, again, I'm not coming at it from the comic, so I, I couldn't really care less about it in, in that respect. It didn't bother me only insofar as it was, frankly speaking, it's all coming from Auntie. That's that's the only source for all of this. So. It could just be all in her head, or it could be a, a real thing. Like it could still be some sort of source of altered terrigen under the city. We don't. We don't. We've got no clue. They explained absolutely nothing. It's as ambiguous as whatever the heck is under the ground and runaways. It could be the same freaking thing for that matter. <laughs> you know? 
now I want season two to open up with Auntie finding out that she had dementia and everything from season yeah. one <laughs> was just a whole episode. And it's like, well, we just been turned upside down. Thanks, Auntie. Hope you get better. Well, you know, she did the way she was that she was acting it all monotone. It, maybe there was something wrong. I mean, she was <laughs> drinking around the city. Yeah. <laughs> no cop around to stop her. He's like, what is that a black woman drinking vodka spitting around in Louisiana? No, that's normal. That's normal. What's going on? Keep going. Oh, uh, you know, it, it was apparently carnival the entire season. Right. So <laughs> yes. Right. <laughs> like we get in New Orleans, you party. Right. You party. <laughs> Loud and clear. Oh you know? uh, well, let's move on to O'Reilly, who is my favorite character in the show. Actual adult. You know, I liked her, and I liked the fact that she was, you know, like, uh, like a good cop. Many ways, although apparently, apparently the part about her, like, taking a hit of cocaine whenever she could get it was not a lie. <laughs> <laughs> I thought at first that this was just her trying to get in, you know, with the, with the crooked cop, but no, it was just kind of like, yeah, okay, so whatever, but, you know, but on things like, you know, where Candy was assaulted and trying to, like, find out what really went on there and pressing for it and everything and telling her that you can come to me about this, you know, and we can do something and stuff like that, you know. She was a good cop there. She wanted to take down the bad cops. You know, stuff like that. I, I really liked her character a lot. Yeah. You know, she was sort of, like, the, the, the character that I was rooting for in the show. And they literally fridged her boyfriend. They fridged the boyfriend. Yes, yes I was going to get to that. So, yeah, mixed feelings about that. I mean, it's, 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 it's turning the trope on its head for sure. But at the same time, it's still the same ridiculous trope. It's kind of indicative of the whole show where it's just so obvious. Right. Like, There's no subtlety here at all. No, really it isn't not. just like, oh, we killed your boyfriend. It's we stuck him in literally in a fridge. But at least it was, I, I up until she opened that fridge door, I expected him to be dirty and just playing her the whole time. So that was a nice twist, I guess. Yeah, no, I wondered about that too, um, how that was going to turn out. But yeah, uh, well, no, when she went into the apartment and he wasn't there and she was like calling for him, I, I knew. I was like, oh, God, yeah. they have him in the fridge. <laughs> not really. I was like, they literally literally fridged the boyfriend. And then, of course, she opens it. Oh, jeez. That was an emotional roller coaster I did not expect. Because, yeah, she she as an actress, she as a character was phenomenal. Just really, I feel like, even though they are kids and they're monotone, she definitely stole the scene. She stole every scene for me. Because I always focused on her. And because she was just alive, I guess you could call it. And then just seeing like it was like oh they're together oh it's sweet he's like oh she's home for pre- she's home for pancakes you yeah where are you at boyfriend boyfriend, boyfriend. <laughs> then just look ar- and look at the ground there's food everywhere it's like oh no no don't open the fridge girl don't- <gasps> oh my god what do they do and oh my god and I I think if I remember correctly because I'm an emotional <laughs> child uh, I think I cried with her Aww. just not like as deep but i was definitely like i'm here for you because <laughs> that that hurt yeah so much and it happened so quick because he because it was not, he was like the day before he was on board it's like tell me everything i got your back i believe you let's do it i'm helping her i love her let's, i said it i love you I, let's do it i mean yeah <laughs> he was picking out place settings right yeah 
<laughs> yeah, which is why you knew either he was going to die or he was going to be dirty, too. <laughs> I'd rather him, him be dirty so I can at least kick his ass. Right. <laughs> I can't kick a dead body. <sighs> well, and But in a lot of ways, I think O'Reilly, because she was from New York, she was kind of our eyes in New Orleans. Because everyone yeah. else was from there. So we got to see the city and the characters from her perspective in, in a way that at least explained it. Yeah. No, that's 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 probably the best explanation for why I felt like drawn to her over everybody else. Yeah, that and the fact that she was an adult <laughs> emotionally. Yeah and, and, yeah, she, yeah, and she had range. Right. No, it's true. <laughs> and then we have Connors as our crooked cop. Well, he has a smile on his face. He has to. Be right. Crooked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. That's that subtlety of the show uh, coming up again. <laughs> I think he did a good job of playing the evil guy. I mean, you, you kind of hated him, you know, when he was... Yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, sort of. It's just he was kind of all over the place. It's like, oh, this episode, he's evil and will kill and do anything. And then that episode, oh, he's feeling guilty on the anniversary. It's like, make up your mind. Is he an in-depth character who hates the choices he's made? Did you or... get guilty from that? Because I just got, like, nervous slash scared that somebody might find out. I, I didn't. That I, was my I, I never thought that he was guilt, like felt remorse. like remorse. I think for haunting to work, you have to have some guilt involved. Hmm. He's vice. There's none. Right. <laughs> you can't have it. You can't show it. I don't know. I mean, I think fear of being caught is all that that haunting needs to make him terrified. Maybe. You know that somehow the spirit of the person he wronged will come back and, and cause retribution. I, th- I think that was just fear. I-, I never got that he felt any remorse at all. I don't know if remorse is the right word, but just like, the fact that he kept saying it was an accident. I didn't mean to. The the, the rig exploded and I pulled the trigger. And maybe that was just a cop out. You know, no pun intended. <laughs> he was trying to get out of being killed by a spirit. But I don't know. I, I felt like that. Like he was trying to seek absolution of some sort. Mm, okay, no, it's fair. I mean, that's interesting. I, I, if I ever do go back and watch this, I, I should pay attention to that, because, yeah, I, I totally read that differently of him just trying to make excuses. Mm. Maybe I'm looking for depth that right. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I don't think he works as a character if he has any kind of real, like, want <laughs> desire for absolution. I mean, because he's, like, like, the most crooked, like, nasty person. It's like, when there's a choice to be made, we double down on the back. You know, I'm yeah. gonna, I'm gonna double cross the guy that's helping me double cross, but, you know, I mean, he's, like, can I triple cross I'm, somebody? Quadruple? I'm gonna raise a beer to the guy I just <laughs> killed, and then, in a bar full of cops, kick the crap out of his girlfriend, you know? <laughs> That's pretty evil. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Mike, uh, any thoughts on Connors? He played a villain very well. And, and, and honestly, it's just, it's that one mistake that you either go left or you go right. And the dude went like, so left. Oh, God. <laughs> like, just immediately, he's like, I gotta call my uncle. It's like, uh, I did yeah. a bad thing. Yeah. In Louisiana. Yeah, I did that. Yeah. <laughs> um, In Louisiana. <laughs> you know, if it's bad in Louisiana, <laughs> it's bad. <laughs> It's bad everywhere, but it's like, you know, it's like, you know, if you shoot someone in like Montana, it's like, oh, well, you know exactly you're going to shoot. Are you going to go to Louisiana? Like, you know, you're going to shoot. Demographics, folks. <laughs> so, <laughs> wow. Connors. And then I, I didn't expect him to really be that much of the antagonist, but it gave Tyrone the drive. And, and the fact that Connors got out of jail from that confession after the dude is dead and shows up at the bar, that was like, 
whoa, what kind of justice system is there? And then after, and you know, I completely support defending yourself. You get attacked, you swing back, sure. But if they are no longer fighting back, you are, you need to stop. He kept going. Nobody stopped him. And at that point, I'm like, oh, well, f*** this whole department then. So like, I, and, and I feel like that was either the whole precinct was basically dirty, which apparently it kind of was, and, or, and at the same time, it was, she was still an outsider because she's New York. Well, and also she's a cop that turned in another cop. And so that's viewed, even if, even if they're completely right, she's completely right. You know, there's, there's a lot of feelings in a group like that of, you don't rat on one of your own, you know? And so that's how I interpret it more of, they weren't going to get involved in that because they didn't like that she ratted out Connors. And that, and that would be a Superco. I, I walk Superco. That's one of my favorite movies. That's why I don't join the police force. I would definitely be him. (laughs) I will, I will rat each and every one of you boys. I'll do it. Like, don't don't mess up. Right. And I don't want to say that I'm saying that all cops are like that. I'm just saying there's a tendency in closed-knit groups where their lives are on the line all the time to form oh, yeah. that kind of a relationship, you know, that where where they, they just look out for each other regardless of right or wrong or whatever. Yeah, Connors yeah. Connors was a was a was he grew into a good villain. And how he went out still scares me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you want to talk about it, but that just scared me. I was waiting for that <laughs> all season. <laughs> I, I want to talk about it. <laughs> you, so, okay, so Connors and Tyrone and Tyrone in full getup with his full cloak on had their final confrontation. And I don't even remember what the hell they were saying. It doesn't even matter what they say for the fact that all of a it sudden. It was about fear. Are you afraid? You should be afraid. Yeah, yeah that was and, like. Tyrant's words. Yeah, and then what was it? He was about to pull for a gun, or he was about to leave, or something. And all of a sudden, Tyrone ate him. Yeah, like the cloak just grabbed him, sucked him in, and Tyrone's just standing there. What just happened? Right. I'm sitting here like, what the f- just happened? <laughs> and apparently, now that I'm hearing this podcast. I hear Nathan. Nathan, Tyrone eats people. Yeah, news to me. Yeah, in fact, in the this is this is the point that I want to make. If he's not around Tandy in the comics. He devours anyone, not just bad people. When he's around Tandy, he can he can keep that at bay, and he just uses it on bad people. But, like, he was eating homeless people in one issue when, like, Tandy's mom found her. And, in, like I said, in the comics, like, she's, like, a rich socialite. And so she, like, pulls Tandy home and won't let Tyrone, you know, be around. And so because of that, he's, like, going around, like, there's just, like, a homeless guy, and he's, like, Vroom! you know, and I'm, like... Please, please understand, in my mind, in my active imagination, I literally just see Tyrone coming, walking down the street with his basketball, just practicing. All of a sudden, you you see people walking towards him, but then the camera pans behind him. There's no one else. He is just beep-bopping away and just yomp, 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 yomp. And I was like, is that what's happening right now? Is that him? Tandy, handcuff yourself. <laughs> These are modelless pedestrians. He's going to eat a dog. In, yeah, yeah. In, I mean, in, and, in, and, in, in so things are so different. I have no idea how they're going to play with this concept. I mean, because they don't do the thing like even like, uh, you know, in the TV show, they touch people and they can see their hope or their fears. In, in the comics, they don't have any like mental powers like that. She shoots light knives. Or can, like, yeah. make herself really bright. And Tyrone sucks people, people into... Yeah, he eats people. 
and they can teleport. Don't, don't say suck in. He eats people. We're using that. He eats people. He can. Re- he gains sustenance. He, from yeah. He, he can regurgitate people. Like he can spit them out if it's not too long. Oh my god! I'm sorry. I'm out. What? what? So sometimes he show? does what that just as like an mean? intimidation tactic, and then like spits them back <laughs> out, and they're like. They're like so like overwhelmed, like they're always like so dark, so cold, and like then they'll answer questions and stuff. So you know, but uh... <laughs> that's not free. <laughs> and then he can teleport. Right, well, well, he well can... and here's the thing: yeah. in the comics, they can only teleport when they're together. It's something that they can do when their powers like combine. But in this, it's just like oh, we just teleport whenever we want to and whatever. So. Well, I don't know. They actually did a good job of explaining like. It was harder for Tyrone to get control of his abilities than it was for Tandy. She got it. She tied a weight to her ankle and jumped into the gulf, and bam! Now she can call up daggers whenever she wants. But yeah, Tyrone, it was he had to have the cloak or he had to be emotional. It was the only way for him to be able to teleport. Right? Because I mean, and I get what they're doing. He's he would be too overpowered for a show on this scale if they had him like he was in the comics. Like bullets are no worry to him. He just absorbs them. He can eat bad guys, so it's not really that scary. <laughs> so if you're trying to do something where, like, the villain for a whole season is just one dirty cop, you know, I mean, yeah. Tyrone, like he is in the comics, would, like, <laughs> it would be ridiculous because the threat isn't there, you know? So I-, I get what they did with him, but I just wished it had been more. That's the final thing I, I would say about Connor, that I was impressed that they didn't pull the typical trope of giving him powers at the end. Right. Yeah, It, it seems like diamondback and luke cage or whatever they have to give them some sort of equal playing field no he was just a dirty cop from beginning to end and he was still just as threatening even though they had these abilities Mm -hmm. no that's 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 a good point because yeah you're right i mean that o'reilly's the one at the end who's changed somehow and that was really weird like i was not expecting that at all uh and so i liked that because it was such an unexpected move no i expected at the moment because she hit the water right when the the valve blew up in her face. So I was like, yeah, yeah. she's going to come back. Oh, no, no, no. I, I got it at that point, but that was already in the final episode. That wasn't like a prediction you could make like episodes previous, you know, like, and be oh, yeah, like, no, oh, no, it's no. going to yeah, end with her. You're like asking me in season, in episode four, if I thought she was going to get powers now. Right. No. Yeah. No, but no, yes, you're right. I mean, as soon as that happened, I, yeah, I, I figured something was going to happen with her. What about Tandy's mom? She's also kind of a regular. Did anybody have any strong feelings about her? No. <laughs> she found a good. She yeah. found a good man, and it breaks my heart. Well, yeah, that part breaks your heart. Like when she's calling and leaving the messages that she's sad. And you know he's dead. You know, and she's like, "I'm so sorry that we fought." You know, give me a call back. And it's just like, oh god, <laughs> she doesn't know, but Tandy knows. I've seen that kind of parent, and not saying it was mine, because I mean. My mom had her flaws, but I mean, she she's now a very strong woman. And I appreciate her, but I've seen that in other parents, and one of my best friends had that kind of parent, and it was, I, I think, I'm not gonna say I got numb to it, but I just saw it too much, and I just didn't want to connect with her because I didn't want those emotions to come back. Sure. So yeah. I mean, because I've seen Tandy's life, I've seen that go take that left path, and maybe that's because I just disconnected. I didn't want to go through that again. But I'll give the writers that good job. You did good because I don't want to go through that ever again. I want no child to go through that. And she and even though the guy was married, he 
when she touched and found found his hope, that was that was not the hope I was honestly expecting either. Right. I thought his hope was going to be getting candy into yeah. the sack. You know, like he was going to be yeah, like, yeah, hey, you're a little bit younger. I like you now, you know, kind of thing. It was going to be. Yeah. Twisted. Um, oh, man. that We blame Legion for that. Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, but with... With her mom, she and she was clinging to a hope, and I appreciate her for that. She she wasn't look, trying to sue Roxanne for the money. She was trying to clear a name, her husband's name. Yeah, I, I didn't buy that one so much. <laughs> I, that, I think she wanted first. the money. Well, I mean, I think she, she wanted take, both. I mean, yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean the fact that she was on the pills when she was a ch- when Tandy was a child that definitely goes into that aspect of like yeah man she just wants it for the money. But of course me, I see the good in people and I just want to try and lean towards that. It's like yeah you know what you're trying to get your husband's name because I mean he was a very well known respected person and the money yeah it could help but you just really want to just make the name better because that's honestly I think that's what really also destroy her. The pill popping didn't help. Well, the ransacking of the home certainly didn't help, but it was the name being dragged through the mud. And at the end of the day, that's who we are. We we are our name. And I kind of would like to, and in the aspect, if I had that kind of last name, I had that kind of powerful parent who was just getting dragged through the mud. I'm going to stick up for him. And when Tandy that, decided to help out, I was like, go for it. That that's kind of interesting. You you said there um, something I actually kind of disagree with. That when you found out that mom was popping the pills even when Tandy was a child. That's actually when I think she became interesting to me. When we found out the truth about Tandy's father, that's when this mom went from being a caricature to being someone who we find out that she's basically been rewriting her own memories. Like, oh no, uh, we were at the movies, not yeah. the, the ballet. Yeah, she, she was protecting a, a fake memory of this man that didn't exist. And yeah. even back then, she was self-medicating uh, with these pills because of the situation she was in. Tandy found out that her father was a terrible human being, and that that was a disappointment. That she that, that was having the floor ripped out from under her. And yeah. it, and, but that was mom's life. And that's that right there is when I suddenly understood mom. And it, that's that right there is when I believe she was in it just to, to clear his name. The first half of the show, I thought she was just in it for the money. Mm-hmm. That's interesting because I wanted to bring up that bit because. Ah, I wish that we had some women on the podcast, but I literally could not find one who watched the series because <laughs> uh, I wanted one because I feel like, okay, so her dad slapped her mother one time. That's awful. That's awful. He shouldn't have done that. There's no evidence and no anything to support that he did it more than one time. So it becomes a question of, I felt like Candy like way overreacted. Like, if we had seen, like, multiple scenes of him, like, it's just, like, a repeated behavior kind of thing or whatever, you know, that it would be like, okay, this guy was a scumbag. But I feel like she's like, oh, my whole reason for living is over because my father was this awful person. And I'm like, you know, you have no idea what the circumstances were that day. You know, you don't know what was going on there. And he should have never done it. But, you know... One act does not make him, you know, uh, a habitual, you know, uh, uh, you know, a violent person. 
you only saw O'Connor kill one person, and yet we knew he was an ass. Uh, well, but murder's a bit stronger, and also he then like went into covering it up and doing all sorts of follow-on actions <laughs> that were you know compounded. I mean, he he was uh, with the drug dealer, and he was you know doing all this. T- I mean, I don't know. He he yeah, Connor did a lot more than just one murder, <laughs> which was bad enough. But I'm just saying, you know, it's. He, he kept compounding that with other things he was doing. But, uh, I don't know. I, I, I felt like it was, it was not enough. It's kind of like in the comics, where, like, Hank hit Jan one time, and then it's like, oh, you're just, you're an awful person. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's almost exactly how it is. <laughs> right. Like, because we saw Ant-Man on this high pedestal, he slaps Jan one time. Right. And it's like, oh, you're dead to us. Dude. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I my just hey, I'm just throwing this out here. I think one time is probably one time too many. Yeah, no, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's it's fair. I, I I mean, I understand, and certainly if the person is still alive, you know, I completely agree that you know one time the person needs to do something to you know get himself straightened out or anger management or whatever. But you know. When somebody's dead, and if you look at the complete body of their works, and that's the only time they did it, I'm not sure that that overwrites everything else that they did in their life. I, I guess you could just take it as a sort of, yes, in Tandy's memory, or might have been, I guess, Tandy watching mom's memories, but this is a memory, so maybe she also sensed just the the oppressiveness of it, the, the reality that this is the day-to-day life. Of it. I mean, mom was self med I mean, she was popping pills even when Tandy was a kid. So I'm sure there was a reason why. I, I don't know. I, it, whatever the case was, it, it's clear that Tandy's childhood parental life was not as idyllic as she thought it was. Well, but the thing, I mean, there's multiple reasons why people pop pills. Because even when Tandy came home, like, the mom was still, like, popping pills and drinking and stuff, you know. And it's like, dad's dead, you know. <laughs> it's like... Yeah. You know, she's just trying to retreat from reality. I mean, some people do that to retreat from reality just in general, from multiple... I mean, it's not just necessarily because her husband was, you know, it could be some other things that she just didn't want to deal with life. Yeah, I mean, that's true. I mean, but again, by that same logic, we could just as easily say that maybe Tandy's mom, I wish I knew, could remember the character's name, but maybe she imagined the whole thing and he never did slap her well yeah i mean when you get into the fact that people can rewrite their memories yeah i mean i suppose yeah. there's all sorts of things that you could say about the, but yeah uh, her, her name is melissa the character yeah the character I, she's mom yeah, yeah mom we were never gonna see tandy go hey melissa right yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no i i yeah i didn't have really real strong feelings about the mom you know i mean other than revulsion at you know how awful a mom she was <laughs> Because, like, the thing where Tandy, after she's walked home with only one shoe, finally gets home, and she's there, and Mom isn't, like, waking up, you know, and it's just like, oh, God, you know. I felt so bad for this girl, the girl that's left out in the rain because Mom won't pick her up, because Mom's drugged up, you know. It. Well, I, I'll defend Mom there, because the impression I got from that was that Mom thought she'd lost her husband and her daughter. She knew her daughter was in the car, and so she just assumed they were both dead. And so, yeah, she I wouldn't be at all surprised if she deliberately tried to OD. Uh, okay, but at least, what, well, Tandy was supposed to be picked up by Mom from her ballet lesson. And yeah, Mom did not pick her up. So, okay, fair <laughs> enough about the second dating. time. Come on. Fair <laughs> enough about the morning after. You're right. If she had read the or seen the news reports, then yeah, okay, fair enough. She might have just been trying to get away from the reality that her, her whole family was dead. 
But, uh, yeah, no, that's, uh, yeah. I don't know. I, I just, the, the father in me got incensed, you know, <laughs> by, you know, this poor little girl being in the rain. So, you know, anyway. <laughs> oh, yeah, she's not going to win any awards <laughs> right, for this mother. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah. I don't know. And I, I don't really feel like we need to talk about any of the side characters <laughs> unless you guys have somebody in particular you want to talk about. I mean, Ryan, do you have any of the other characters you want to you wanna talk about? The only other adult that I thought was interesting that they didn't really touch on as much as I would have liked was uh, I, the, the priest. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I thought there was potential there with him, or maybe it's just the actor. I don't know. I would have liked to have learned a little bit more. We did see, and I don't know if it was a fear or a memory. I mean, was he afraid that he was going to kill someone while driving drunk, or did he actually kill someone? He killed. Uh, someone. I think. He I think he it. killed someone. I think that like we're seeing like him trying to atone for that by keeping other yep. kids on the straight and narrow. But yeah, that was the impression I got from it was that it was a real memory that he saw. Okay. See, sometimes I can't tell. I mean, because the fear, yeah, I don't know. Right. And, and I don't know if I, I wondered that too, but I'm thinking I'm 90% sure that what was they were trying to convey to us was that that was an actual memory. And that's the thing he sees that in other kids that come to him of that potential of destroying their lives and destroying other lives. And it's that fear of, of that happening to other people that drives him to do what he does. I, I feel like I would have loved, um, maybe season two or season three, he'll get powers or something. I, don't know. I just feel like he's got potential. Yeah. You know? He does have powers. The power of Christ. <laughs> does it compel you? <laughs> oh, no, he did have a drink. So probably not. Good power. The flesh of man is weak. I assumed the drunken driving was before he became a priest, and he became a priest yeah, afterwards. Yeah, probably. yeah right. he, he had the accident, and he became a priest to in the aspect of, like Ryan said, to atone for what he did. I mean, and, and he has to live with being an alcoholic. And because, I mean, he fought, fought hard not to buy that drink, but, I mean, ultimately he bought it. But we didn't really see the... The outcome of that, we just know that he, yeah, he he leaned in. He was fighting it. He fought it. He fought it. He fought it. He lost, and then that's it. It's not like the next episode we see him and Tyron's coming for advice. We don't see him. It's like Slosh, like, hey, I need a few hell marys, <laughs> bloody marys, hell marys. Hell, I promise. <laughs> Yeah, no, he was an interesting character, and, you know, again, I felt like Tyrone was, you know, really, like, you know, slapping, you know, people who were trying to help him, and, again, didn't endear me to Tyrone at all. (laughs) (laughs) I think the next season, I would, and I I did like the priest, he was a cool dude, and I love for him for trying to at least try and connect with Tyrone, and I felt Tyrone was so close to telling him what he can do, but he couldn't control it, so he... It's like, oh, I can do this thing. It's like, all right, show me. Oh, you got nothing. Oh, you're a liar. So I, I think, I feel like in season two, I feel like the, preach, the preacher should be our Charles Xavier for these two. <laughs> I, I, kind of, I want it, but at the same time, I want them to be the the on-the-road kids. Just just the, be the runaways. Just be part of the runaways. <laughs> and just call up your family, your friendly preacher. It's like, who are you talking to? Oh, my preacher. It's like, hey, hey pastor, yeah. I'm sorry. As soon, yeah, we're out. As soon as you said you want him to be the Xavier for these kids, I just imagined us starting out next season with him just grabbing a razor randomly and just, like, shaving his head. You know? It's like, why are you doing that? I don't know. It just felt like the right thing, you know? 
and let this be the moment that Nathan is a really good person because he thinks Charles Xavier goes with bald. I think Charles Xavier wheelchair. Uh. <laughs> it's like, uh. what's the most identical portion here? Uh, you don't have no legs. He's a telepath, so I think of bald so that the hair doesn't get in the way. <laughs> is that what telepaths have to do? Is that it? It's like the aliens with the pulsing heads in Star Trek. They're bald, you know. Oh my god. <laughs> See? <laughs> Whereas I think my first thought with Charles Xavier's unnatural attachment to his students. <laughs> <laughs> just that one time, Ryan. Just that one time. Yeah. Uh, He's going to dog him for the rest of his life. Jeez. <sighs> uh, <yeah>. But, uh... <laughs> oh, Chuck. The, I, the, my, the only other side character that I thought was pretty cool was, um... I think her name is Evita. Tyrone's girlfriend. Yeah, I thought she had potential. Well, she had charisma. I liked her on screen. She was a cutie too. And uh, the fact that Tyrone like didn't seem to like be able to process like the whole concept of girl was another reason (laughs) or woman was another reason. I was kind of like Tyrone. What's the matter with you? You know, can't really identify with you at all. I don't know. She's taking her clothes off in front of me. What does that mean? <laughs> She's trying to stare at me naked in the tub. What does that mean? I don't know, Tyrone. It's a mystery. It's a mystery. <laughs> <laughs> but she could also... She was aware when Tandy was in her mind. Mm. So that's interesting, too. That was Well, cool. because she's, uh, you know, probably like a, a mystical adept studying under her aunt, you know? I mean, I'm sure it's going to tie in with that stuff. Like, she's a student. Of the dark arts. Yeah, the dark <laughs> <laughs> Just put Benedict Cumberbatch in all these shows already. Jeez. I'm sick of us dancing <laughs> oh, around Oh, it. my God. If he How showed awesome up. That... would be if he just shows up? Yeah. He's like, I heard you are into some mystical stuff there, young lady. <laughs> You know, just throw them into runaways, throw them into, you know, so we can get rid of the stupid wand thing and, like, have it be, like, actual magic wand that it's supposed to be. Like, oh, our R&D division spent, you know, years working on this wand. It's like, it's magic, okay? (laughs) Doctor Strange has already come out in movie theaters. You can call it magic. You don't need to make it technical. (sighs) And then here comes Thor. Well, technically, (laughs) our magic is science. Get the hell out of here, Bondi! (laughs) It's all powered by what's under New Orleans and LA people. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, my that, god, that is the connection. Yeah, the Runaways has something buried under LA. New Orleans has something buried, or Cloak and Dagger has something buried under New Orleans. All right, that causes power. This so is what Cloak and Dagger needs. Time. It needs a dinosaur. Okay, <laughs> that's the connection Not with wrong. Runaways. Well, I, I didn't want to mention it, but like the first divine pairing was two dinosaurs. <laughs> 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 all right mike were there any of the side characters that you uh wanted to talk about yeah okay (laughs) i mean yeah it's like what do we got left we got the the parents of tyrone which are like boring rich dad and boring rich mom i mean they're grieving they're grieving i completely understand and yeah it was great to see great great to see our er doctor again she is amazing (laughs) but you know Real quick, I will say they did a good job just with the contrast there. Tandy and Tandy's mom are all about grieving and open, and their 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 life has fallen apart. 
outwardly. Whereas Tyrone and his family, their life has fallen apart, but you know, they pushed yeah, that they repressed down. It. Yeah, you know? <laughs> you know? I mean, they were so broken. It just, you would never know it to look at it from the outside. Yeah. The whole thing with the dad being part of a gang and the whole sewing, the costume got a little too like, okay, we need a cloak. That was insane. Yeah. I was like, I get that we need like a cloak, but we don't have to like come up with this complicated explanation for the cloak. Okay. No, I liked it. Okay. I completely liked it. Uh-huh. And then they undid it. Right. But it's like, oh no, that's not the cloak. This is yeah. the cloak. Yeah. <laughs> Which I guess you could, you know, there's some relevance there too. Right, because that was the one he was wearing when he got the powers. But, you know, it was like, then why did you do this whole side story about the brother's cloak? You know, I I don't, yeah, I didn't really get what was going on I guess it was more or less like an inspiration. Because, I mean, even even Tyrone's cloak was still a symbology (laughs) (laughs) to his brother. Yeah. Well, we can't have them be anything that looks like a costume okay so I mean, that won't yeah, work it has to be come on i've been i yeah. want candy to get her comic <laughs> costume <laughs> yeah i want that too <laughs> i want her to get a little star tattoo on her eye yeah too. no no that'd be cute <laughs> and then they cast dazzler and it's uh, you know, just like you know a small blonde with eventually on supergirl i want her to meet her power girl counterpart at some point you know just you know for reasons. Yeah, we oh yeah, we all do there. <laughs> and this Thanks, is what happens when there's not yeah, a that's, the <laughs> that's exactly what it is. Oh man. Alright, so let's talk about the ending. Oh wait, I do want to throw out Mina Hess, the scientist chick. I hated her. Okay, okay now we can talk about the ending. <laughs> oh, she was the one like awful actress? Well, the actress is fine, I guess. I actually watch her in a sitcom um, <laughs> where she's hilarious. But uh, no, just the whole, how dumb do you have to be that you're going to believe? I don't know, nothing about the character. First off, she's wrong on a lot of, about bees. But never mind <laughs> that. Um, <laughs> Ryan, don't bring your never- science knowledge into this. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but I guess it's just the fact that, like, Again, this is just how stupid the show is. It's like Tandy's going to pretend to be an intern. Oh, uh, yeah, that was ridiculous that she just bought yeah. it. Doesn't check anything. Yeah. It's like, oh, you're my exactly. intern. Okay. I mean, this is a super secret multi-billion dollar project. Yeah, this woman is going to have like security on her 24-7. You're going to have to walk through an entourage to get to her. I, I just, I don't know. I just, and then she's just. Lives at a amusement park. Okay, sure. Uh, oh, well, I got, I got that. That Roxon really didn't care that much about the environmental stuff, and they were just kind of <laughs> like, "We have one. We got tons of people handling the like siphoning the power out job. We got one person as the environmental like liaison kind of things." I, I had nothing to do with the environment. It's the fact that she designed the whole pumping system, you know. So, I, and the fact that she has knowledge of this super secret substance underneath New Orleans. It, there sh- should have been someone on her at all times handling. Oh, see, I thought she was supposed to be the one that was like the environmental, like making sure that what they did didn't like impact the environment well, they, that, at all. That's how they sold it to her. Like she was trying to channel a, you know, emissions free energy source. Or right. Again, like runaways. <laughs> uh, <you know. laughs> they may have just stolen like some ideas from runaways <laughs> and just repackaged them. It's okay. Yeah. You know? Like, yeah, the Hulu show's gonna suck, but you can use their story. <laughs> Don't wanna watch it. You know? <laughs> See, that'll be great when they meet up, because they'll be like, you had an emissions-free energy source, we had an emissions-free energy source, let's be friends! 
<laughs> our stories are so similar. <laughs> Your dad was an asshole. Yeah. My dad was an asshole. <laughs> you got a black dad? <laughs> <laughs> I've got a dinosaur. What about you? Oh. oh. Like, uh, dead parent? Who has a dead parent? You do? Oh, yay! <laughs> we have so many things in common. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about the ending. Because the one thing they promised us for about half the season was that somebody was going to die. One of the two. He ate the So, <laughs> No, one of the two, though. <laughs> one of the two, pin, one of the, the main pairing. Yeah, let me be clear. That's why, yeah, I had to fix that. And so we get to the ending, and what happens? They clap if they believe in fairies, and everything just takes care of itself. I was with this show up until then, you know, like, it, it, was, it was difficult at first, but I felt like it was getting better as it went along, and I really liked O'Reilly, and then they dumped O'Reilly in the ocean, and I was already kind of having a hard time with that, and then it was like, okay, but this is going to be interesting, because one of them's going to have to die, and I'm wondering how they're going to, like, make that work while still having a show, and so I thought there was going to have to be some sort of cost or sacrifice, and no, they just hold hands and, you know dream about blue skies and believe in fairies or whatever and you know it's all good i was really disappointed so i'm just curious about you guys i mean ryan you just watched this how did you feel at that ending okay when you say just watch this audience i finished the last episode about three hours ago (laughs) (laughs) so yeah i mean this season season it was a slow beginning a decent back half and i went into that last episode thinking okay this is gonna end good and i okay this is how i knew the last episode was gonna suck it's the fact that come sail away by sticks was the song <laughs> and all the flat and the, the history flashbacks you know you, you just have these different versions of come sail away come sail away and i'm like what they couldn't afford the rights to a white snake or something like that it, you know, it was just it I laughed throughout the entire final episode. And you're not supposed to do that. All right. So, yeah, you definitely don't feel differently than I do about this, which is scary. No, it was like Wonder <laughs> Twin Powers, right. you know, save the day. Right. Well, that's the thing. It's like, yeah, I get, th- I got that one of them wasn't going to fully die, but I wanted there to yeah. be cost. There had to be a sacrifice of some kind. And there was no sacrifice. It's just like, if we hold hands, we're fighting it together. And, you know, I, I thought they were going to trick us out by saying that the divine pairing was tyrone and uh avita his girlfriend or tyrone and o'reilly and it was going to be one of those two that died and i thought okay you still have the death and we can still go forward with the two main characters but no they were they were both the characters and neither died and i knew all season long you knew that somehow they were going to have to cross streams at some point and hold hands to save the day so that was telegraphed but yeah And then like, oh, I have the mark. No, I have the mark. I just, uh, (laughs) it was bad. Well, that's why I don't like the, that's why I don't like the mystical aspect because it's like, it it feels like it was just there to build up like portent, but then they didn't pay it off. So it's like, okay, if you want to introduce prophecy or some sort of mystical guiding force or something like that, there needs to be payoff for it and not just sort of like, womp, 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 you know, (laughs) nothing happened. Well, it's like you said, it would have been clever if they'd had uh, Tyrone, you know, quote-unquote, die, his physical body die, but he comes back. That Then at least you're sticking to the prophecy has been fulfilled, but there's an out. There's a loophole. This is just they, they had the prophecy, and then they just threw it out the window. Mike, what did you think about the end? I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> do, you know what, do you know what I thought of when I watched that ending? Mm. I kid you not. I flashed back to Transformers the movie and the Matrix opening. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> Light our darkest hour. <laughs> I, I really wanted to play You've Got the Touch. <laughs> no, oh, you dude, got I'm, sticks. <laughs> I'm definitely going to have to redub that whole song. Yes, like, do that. Do that. <laughs> you got the touch. <laughs> and they start holding hands. Oh my God. I have to go Yeah, see, now. that would have, yeah, see, that would have perfectly, and, and definitely linked me to it. Mike, when you get it done, because I want, I want yeah. that. Yeah. It, well, that song would have fit that scene so well too. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it would have made more sense in "Come Sail Away." I just don't even get how that works in that <laughs> show at all. That was a weird one. <laughs> <laughs> well, you see, we already paid for the rights for this one from for another yeah. show, and so we still had the rights. And so we just kind of put it like Freeform as a network paid for the rights for certain songs. And it's just kind of like, yeah, we, we got this one, you know, it's like what's left in the library. Uh, all we have left is a cover of sticks. We need a song. We need a music. Oh crap. All of our music is down. What we got? I got the cassette tape of, of come sail away. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Jim. Loop that up. You know? <laughs> but no, uh, for me, for the ending, I, I was pumped. I had the goose pimples. I was like, I was in. And watching them go towards it, and of course, they're starting to glow. I'm like, I'm like, all right, she's going white. She's going black. Cool. You got your color schemes. And, and then I look at the the actual energy. I'm like, wait a minute. The energy is <gasps> black and divine pairing hold hands kids <laughs> they just and they just absorb it they absorb all of it and i think in season two we're gonna see like a power upgrade it's like all right congratulations kids you're now level two <laughs> check your ability bars <laughs> it's like an agents so, of shield welcome to level seven you know <laughs> yes. it's like they'll get their shield card now in the mail <laughs> that would be cool that would be cool if colson showed up i yeah and well i'm sorry but the terrors the zombies that that's agent shield would be investigating that for that's sh- a shield that's a shield thing well, yeah but shield i mean i guess if this is contemporary with the latest season of shield shield doesn't exist anymore yeah. i mean the characters still exist but they don't officially do anything they're on the run well i mean if you really want to get technical we could figure this out because we know it happens after or concurrently with Luke Cage season two, which right. happens after Defenders, which um, happens so, after yeah. Civil War, but before Infinity War, because they've said that yeah. Marvel people have said it happens because because Jessica Jones mentions the raft. It happens after Civil War, but before Infinity War. They said all the season twos are before yeah, Infinity yeah. War. So Agents of Shield also happened before Infinity War. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, but it depends where an Agents of Shield. It could be. Like while they were all in the mainframe, you know. Yeah, no, it's true. So, or so the yeah, framework. That's okay. I, I kept wanting Agents of Shield to show up on Once Upon a Time, so you know I'm just messed up. <laughs> <laughs> There's weird like stuff going bullshit. on in Maine, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, oh god. So, 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 Mike, you you felt that that was a fitting ending. I do. I for for me, it brought it brought closure to this whole divine pairing thing of because for me it was one has to die and looking at what they had to go through it's and at that moment they realized one could sacrifice to do it but it would have been better for instead of one person take 100 percent damage 50 50 it and that and in my mind went to definitely a mmo rpg aspect 
It's like, just like, oh, we're just going to mitigate the damage by having two of us here, and we'll both still live. <laughs> Done deal. And that's probably like the Divine Pairing other times could have had that same aspect. I've seen that sort of thing before in other shows. I always feel like it's a cop-out. <laughs> I feel like it's cheating. <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, whatever. I don't I just, uh, it just did not feel satisfying to me. Well, and it was, it maybe if they'd had like, Honestly, it's because I think in part the season was 10 episodes. This is rare, where I think I would argue that it needed to be 13. Maybe it could have benefited from a little bit more exploration there of their abilities and the mystical aspect, because then maybe we could have had a satisfying explanation. But it's it's stupid stuff. It's like, how, how did O'Reilly get out of that locked room and suddenly show up on the right street with sniper rifle to clear their path? And how did they survive? I, I, I left with more questions that it's not even that I want the freaking answers. I don't, it, it infuriates me. You know? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It, even if they, it, it looked like, I mean, it just looked like they basically were just like a little winded at the end. Even if, if they took like some sort of like massive damage, it felt like they had been scarred in some way, some way that like, it felt like there was consequence from their action. It would have helped me a lot more than just like, oh no, we just get by Scott free. You know, the, the vanilla chocolate swirl, it's just not the best ice cream. It's also great in every yeah. other, you know, aspect too. It's just, I don't You really know. want her to have that star on her arm. <laughs> <laughs> that's on her just, that's I do. Like. That's what I do. Season two is going to come out. It's like, we, like, oh man, we survived that, but we have side effects. There's a star on my eye. I think I lost my voice. <laughs> Did I lose my body? Where's my body? <laughs> if, if they gave Tyrone a voice like this, it would be so much better. <laughs> then it's gonna be during the show. Maybe the kid was going through puberty during the show. That's why he felt so monotone. But now in season two, he's gonna actually have a little more umph. It explains <laughs> why he didn't know what a woman was. He hadn't gone through puberty yet. Oh, now I understand. I doubt that was a household that would have allowed cinema. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know. I, anytime I see the teenage boy that when the woman just comes and she's just like, I'm not wearing any clothes. It's just like, huh, what does that mean? I, I, I don't know. I don't know any teenage boy that would act like it. Just, That's me. It's my suspension. That's me. My suspension of disbelief just goes right out the way. You can give me like magic powers and light daggers and cloaks that suck people in and teleportation. That doesn't bother me. But a teenage boy who doesn't know what a woman is. I'm kind of with Mike to the extent where, in hindsight, I, I think back to some of the obvious signals I think I got in high school, and they just went right over my head. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm oblivious to AF. Yeah, yeah, it's like, damn. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, girl getting cha getting changed in my bedroom, I'm definitely the guy. Oh, back is turned. Immediately <laughs> thought. Back is turned. <laughs> Not just me standing there is like, continue. <laughs> <laughs> now at 38, I'm definitely going, continue. <laughs> or uh, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm 16 working McDonald's and I'm talking with uh, one of the girls who's a coworker and we're, she's talking about like literally going through all the guys at the restaurant that whether she likes them doesn't and she keeps saying no there's one guy i like there's one guy i like and i name every freaking guy in the oh restaurant but me. ryan <laughs> nope. that no, that's me. not like oh there was a subtle clue or something <laughs> like that i didn't notice when i was a kid that's like she's telling you <laughs> <laughs> well there were there were subtle clues as well but that's the the biggest one probably oh <laughs> god okay <laughs> 
it's not Jim, I got nothing. You like, guys, really, Ryan? <laughs> really? Jeez. Oh. I got nothing. I'm sorry, babe. Who are you talking about? Who am I forgetting? <laughs> Is there a new guy? <laughs> oh, God, you make me sick, Ryan. <laughs> I would. I want that written into a movie. I would laugh my ass off if that was in a movie. The Life of Ryan. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, but I know, I know, we're getting long for time, uh, and that's what happens when you're having fun. Right. But I have to say, the the social cues in this it, it, for the show was was a little jaw dropping to me because if this was like something that was made in the '90s, it would definitely be just like it was in the comics: white family, rich, black family, dysfunctional. Mm-hmm. But they flipped it, and watching the first episode, it was my fear. After, because I didn't know anything about it, I watched the trailers and I got the social cues there. But it wasn't until I got dived into the first episode that I really saw how strong it was with the directions that they took. And I had to question myself: Is this going to be believable in my eyes as a black man? And from beginning to end, kudos! Wow, I felt for the parents. I felt for Tyrone in that aspect because uh, at that at that age when I was growing up, we had that fear, but it was a different fear than what we have here in 2018. Completely different, and it's a different atmosphere now. And I completely feel for the parents. I understand exactly why their heads are down. They are tight. We're we're not showing anything. Dad broke down. It's like, do you see your mother? Do you see the rock that she is? And of course, you and even while she's on the phone and over the fo- and it's a voiceover, she's shaking. You can still kind of see the fear in her eyes. But he's like, "You see that rock? You need to be more like your mother." She kept this family together after that tragedy. And then when they're even at the police station, there was no reaction from the parents when that when he was caught. And here's Tyrone's like, "Well, where where's the cheers? We got him." He's like, "We ain't gonna talk about this right now." It's like, "Boy, get in the car. We ain't gonna talk about this right now." And just ah, it's. It was it was enveloping. Like I was just in it. Like I wasn't in my. I didn't know my black family, my black side. I didn't know it a lot, but I knew the atmosphere, and I know the atmosphere of today. And just even though the monotone character, the parents were kind of quiet. And this again, love you in ER. <laughs> we, it's just that whole when we got outside of the powers and we got outside the destiny and just looked at them as a family that was grieving that finally found solace. Like I'm just like, yes, we got that white ass. We got it. We yes. Victory for blacks. Yeah. It was definitely a topical subject matter. And, uh, you know, I completely get it on that point of view. And I mean, yeah, that's rough, you know, cause it's like your son was just like straight up murdered and the police are going to cover it up, you know, kind of thing. And they probably suspect that Tyrone is right but they know that there's consequences to pursuing that. And that's really rough Mm -hmm. to think about that. I mean, again, it's me as a father thinking about that, about the fact that you can't really even get justice for your own child because, you know, of the fear that they'll take the rest of your family too. But along that same kind of train of thought, that that was the one thing that was kind of clever about them destroying the, the carnival cloak. And now Tyrone needs to wear the hoodie. And I thought, oh, there's kind of a, a social commentary here. It's, it's kind of the same, same thing that they did, you know, in Luke Cage. But as well, you get the sort of sense appropriateness of mm-hmm. that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the switching of statuses that they did for this show was a yeah. risk, and 
I appreciate him for it. But I think it was also necessary if they again if they'd played it up to the '80s original you know stereotyped borderline racist uh, incarnations. Yeah, yeah, it would have been there would have been some outrage and ju- rightly so. Yeah, and, and it could just be pandering as everybody as all the haters are pro- would would probably say if they watched it. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, it's one of Freeform's like most highly rated shows. Take that as you will. Right. <laughs> <Huh>. <laughs> and okay. but it's Freeform. And and, and yeah. for me, and and when those and you see like I mean again like with Michael B. Jordan playing Johnny Storm, that whole switching characters and switching the aspect. We it's just retelling a story for a different age, different generation. It's like I and again I was against Michael B. Jordan playing Johnny Storm and. And that was still Sue Storm being that was a whole big other thing. But this and the reason it didn't work in Fantastic Four, but here it worked. I don't know why. I don't it might have been the writers, it might have been the actors, it just might have been the tone. I don't know. But it worked here. And when it I guess when it works, it's good. Yeah, I mean this this created a realistic scenario for like just their backgrounds as far as like you know, I mean, a, a mom like Tandy's mom was not going to be able to support them in a, like, a, a lavish lifestyle because she was not capable of working a, a serious job. And, you know, I shouldn't say a serious job, but not working a steady job anyway with her, her drug problems and whatnot. And so, and, and they talked about how the family, it was actually the money they got from the insurance from the death of his brother that let them move out of the bad neighborhood and into that, like that started them being able to live a better life, which is kind of horrible on one aspect, but you know, it's something that, you know, let them, you know, sort of move to a, to a nicer neighborhood and started them on their, on a better, you know, uh, financial path. And, and, and so, yeah, so we got the, 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 the Huxtables, you know, on one side, and we had had sort of like, uh, you know, Chandy, you know, on the trailer, you know, but yeah, I mean, it's a modern story. It's a modern reality. It's a modern, you know, thing. I mean, you know, so it worked because it felt like something you see in real life. So anyway, yeah, I mean, yeah, the socialite thing. I mean, we're already getting like the crazy rich socialite that's a train wreck with Trish and, and Jessica Jones. We didn't need another one. Uh, <laughs> just become Hellcat and be over with, man. Just season just three. Do it. Right? Cray like, cray, at Mike. this point, it's like, I'm done. She, yeah, cray, oh, God. And Mike, she just wants you cray cray. Like, I'm crazy. What, were there no sticks covers they could find for her? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. All right. So, yeah, no, it's. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean that's the thing. I mean, it's free form. It's it's catering to a younger audience, so it's a little more, I think, attuned to social cues than you yeah. know some other shows might be. But I, I think from a plotting standpoint and a drama standpoint, it's still got a ways to go. I think, but just to reiterate the point I made earlier, it's because of those social cues that I think they chose not to make Tandy and Tyrone get together. No, and it, and it might be. I mean, that that, that could be as well. And certainly there's something just a tad bit unhealthy about the comic side where they physically are codependent upon each other. And for that a romance to grow out of that. Yeah. <laughs> there's problems there. I mean, it's never played in the comics like that skeezy. And, and, it's, and you feel as if it's a genuine love that they get from being together and everything. But since there's also that physical codependence, it makes it just a little, hmm, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. 
because it's kind of hard for them not to be with each other too so yeah they don't have a choice (laughs) so yeah no i get it i just (sighs) just it's cloak and dagger (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> these are like this this and that. why is it that marvel can get like every character right except the ones i care about the most <laughs> it's like iron <laughs> fist and cloak and dagger it's like why <laughs> all right and i honestly don't care about the background part that was great that they changed it so that part can be different from the comics but i want them once they get their powers to be exactly like the comics <laughs> I want them eating people. That's right. <laughs> I want them suiting up and taking on bad guys. Although, I, I gotta imagine, her light daggers are probably the cheapest effect ever. Right. They were probably... <laughs> they were, their budget thanked them for that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a piece of plastic with the lights. Probably the same one, too. They just use it yep. over and over again. Like, in the comics, she'll just, like, throw, like, 50 of those things at people. You know, like, she'll just sweep her arm, and they'll, like, fly out, like, in an arc in all directions and, like, take on, like, you know, 20 guys, you know. So, yeah, we don't see that. <laughs> I've got two, one in each hand. The closest thing we saw was when she they, she was stuck in that dream, or, uh, in um, Mina's father's, Ivan Ivan Hess's vision on, on the rig, and she was throwing them left and right at the, the terrors. That was pretty badass, that sequence yeah i like that and then she forgot it all yeah so um recommendation so after having watched cloak and dagger season one would you recommend it to someone who hasn't seen it you know for the marvel completionist yes absolutely i kind of rank it it's, it's in the definite lower half of the marvel series for me it's, it's above the first season of iron <laughs> fist but that still puts it in the bottom three for me i, I feel like there's a potential there there's the possibility of something really great here and they've had some original uh ideas or even just tiny little details like i love the idea of 3d printed you know voodoo dolls or whatever right, they yeah were. no i thought that was um, kind of neat too yeah that's just clever but they keep using like sh- the shaky cam it's like we're just gonna we're gonna zoom in on tyrone just standing at the window but it's gonna be shaking that's not necessary <laughs> and the story was just all over the place but man if they this if if they get past these growing pains if they get their feet under them i think this could be something really good all right mike what about you oh yeah i'm definitely recommending it to every to all my friends to all my marvel buddies like you got they they have to watch it i want this is unlike iron fist or uh oh my god what was or gotham season one Mm. where i tell people to skip season one you don't need it you just don't need it I want people to watch season one and I want them to honestly be different about it because you're going to be you're going to just like, oh, my God, this is dragging on so long. Oh, my God, these are horrible teenagers. And and you're going to have that ending. Where it's like, that's some cheap. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> I want folks to have these emotions that we all felt now. And then when season two comes out and how badass is going to be, I want them to know where they came from because I, I have. I have a lot of faith that season two is going to go out. It's just going to go out the door. This was a 10, 10 episodes was kind of short. I think a 13 would have done great. 22 would have, of course been like way over the too much on the yeah. top. Like, are you kidding me? So, yeah. Especially if Connor has been like the bad guy for all 22 episodes. Just be like, Oh my God, just kill him already. <laughs> we, will have, we will have had the uh, first half of the season finding Connors. <laughs> and then the second half and then the mid season finale is like, but no, Cars was working for Roxon. They oh, killed my dad. <laughs> and like the whole time Tyrone's going, why does this girl keep calling me? <laughs> <laughs> oh 
Oh my god, 13 episodes of, of being clueless about a girl. I, I would have died. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, 13 episodes, complete season package right there. I'm completely for it. I think Netflix has really proven that 13 for some, for some of the shows are really like the solid number to do. I mean, England's been doing it forever. I mean, hashtag just saying. <laughs> but... <laughs> I, I am completely telling people to go watch Cloak and Dagger, even before, especially before season two starts, because uh, I think when we get uh, Mercy in as whatever, I don't even know what she is. I don't. I can't. I I, I looked her up on Wikipedia. I have no idea. Like, oh my god! But she's she's our friend. What's gonna? I don't even know. So I'm really. I think season two is just gonna wait, is gonna wait. blow me out. Elaborate. What are you talking about? Is isn't that her name, Mercy? Uh, Callahan, who she turned, that's her, you that's mean, her, you mean uh, O'Reilly super. Yeah. O'Reilly. Sorry. O'Reilly. Uh, isn't that, is, I think her name is mercy. I can't remember. I looked it up really fast. Uh, I like, yeah, no, I, I forgot what the name mayhem mayhem. That's it. It's mayhem. That was, that was, that was, that was the teaser just showing three lines. It was like mayhem season two. Uh, <laughs> it's New York. It's near comic con. So maybe we'll actually get to hear some. Oh, information that's true. That. Yeah, you're right. They might have some, because they're actually, uh, cause this was a summer series next season. It's going to be a spring series. So they're moving it up in the schedule. So they might have some stuff ready at New York Smart. city comic con. So, All right, okay. yeah, it's, I, I definitely have faith that season two is just going to go balls to the walls. Maybe we will have more eating people. <laughs> yeah. I would have been upset if there wasn't a season two of this show. Not because it's so good. Oh, why did you end right. it? Why did you cancel Firefly? But just because why didn't you make it better when it, you it, there, there were so many so many great places you could go with this? Yeah, there's a lot of neat mm-hmm. ideas, like you mentioned, Ryan. It just they they don't capitalize on them, and it feels like I mean, you said they could have gone 13 episodes, and that would have worked. But I also feel like they could have done more with the 10 that they had. That's, that's it could fair. have been denser. That's, you know, that's how they yeah. did it. But again, I mean, I don't know exactly what Freeform's like, audience, uh, what they're looking for in an audience, but I'm guessing it's in like the tween to 20 you know, kind of crowd. It's like 12 to like 25 or something. So and maybe they think like it's too, they don't want to go too complicated with the, with the storytelling. That's the the reality that matters. Yeah, their demographic might be more interested in the family dynamic than they are in exactly how their powers work and the mystical origin of them. Yeah. So yeah, they're playing to their audience, and I get that, but still. <laughs> yeah, on my end, uh, this. Well, I mean, yeah, obviously, if it's a Marvel completionist, I mean, you're watching it anyway. But just for people on the street, <laughs> I'm probably not recommending this one. Maybe after season two, I might. But as it is, people don't listen to me when I tell them to watch stuff. So I'm not. This is not the hill I'm dying on. <laughs> there are better shows out there. I mean, for God's sake, I, Agents of Shield people, those of you who gave up in season one, why aren't you listening to me? <laughs> don't know what yeah, you're missing. Agents of Shield gets better with every season. Just saying. So <laughs> at the same time, so did Gotham. Like, right? Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah, Gotham did too. So yeah, uh, yeah. This is not the the hill I'm dying on. But you know, to be fair, I did like it better as it went on until that final episode. So yes, <laughs> it was like a, a slow climb to a very steep cliff. Right. It almost feels like they wrote like the nine episodes and they're like, oh crap, we got to wrap everything up in one. You know, it's like they didn't that's, plot yeah, things. That's what I'm yeah, it feels like it should have been a two-episode finale. Yeah. I feel like they didn't plot it appropriately. Like, but I think that they could have built to a satisfying ending if, if they had made the rest of it pace here and more happened in the early episodes. But oh, well. 
and make it the ninth and tenth that were the two-part finale and i think they could have done that but whatever we'll see if tyrone eats more people that would certainly make it more appealing to me (laughs) 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 all right an infinity gauntlet tandy's one of the people who die when half the universe dies so tyrone goes with everybody else to confront thanos tyrone eats thanos Oh my god! <laughs> it's just with the Infinity Gauntlet, Thanos bursts out of him. So, <laughs> I re- I think I remember. Yeah. That. So yeah. um. So yeah. So like, don't worry, guys. I got this. What are you gonna do? Eat him? What? <laughs> <laughs> what he just said? I skipped breakfast. I'm really hungry. <laughs> Stark, is this one of yours, man? Don't bring me into this. So interesting things could happen with it. So we'll see. But now it's time to say your goodbyes and let people know where they can find us. So Mike, say your goodbyes and let people know where they can find you. Goodbye, Aaron. That's you can find me over on Twitter at this is Trex T Rex. And of course, if you guys want to just uh, watch MMO RPGs and some anime stuff, uh, you can come over to my Twitch channel at twitch.tv slash Trexlight. All right. And Ryan, why don't you say goodbye and let people know where they can find you? Yeah, well, you know, I have Wi-Fi 24 hour connection, so no goodbyes. <laughs> but Internet, I am there all the time. You can find me. Sure, at geekstranger.com, at least to find my other accounts, we'll say. I do have plans to add to it. It's just literally a matter of things slowing down at, in real life to get to it. But yeah, geekstranger.com, check it out. I'm paying four bucks a month for it, so, you know, do it. Facebook, you can find me on these fine people's Facebook and tell me I'm wrong about something so I can tell you why you're completely wrong about me being wrong. <laughs> so what I really want to know, Ryan, above everything else... yes. Uh-huh. Are we going to get your Transformers The Last Night review? <laughs> <laughs> and I will tell you, this 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 is how that's going to work. You will get it either when I go see Bumblebee and see how great Bumblebee okay. is, comparatively right. speaking, or you'll get it when I'm just flipping through TV and I see, I see it and I'm watching it and I just remember how bad it is, how gloriously, <laughs> gloriously bad it is. Isn't that the one that you have all typed up and ready to go? You just need to, like, proofread it and publish it? Or is that the Spider-Man one? Just about. No, no Spider- the, the Transformers one is, uh, I, you know, I'm blanking on the... It wasn't Extinction. It was, it was last was night. Was last it was it was, was the last, last night. night. Yeah, it was last night, yeah. It's like 90% done. <laughs> I mean, I, if I literally sat down for like a half an hour tops, you know, I could finish it off, you know? Yeah, because you, you told me that that one was going to be published to your website like a year and a half ago. And I... Yeah, you know. <laughs> I mean, Michael Bay broke me, so I love that you like re like post like all my posts for for episodes you've been in, but you know I'd love yeah. to see these reviews because I think you said you also had like a review for Spider Man like that you had the notes yeah, for, yeah. and so I'd love to that read your like review of Spider Man Homecoming, and I you know you just you just haven't delivered. Well, it's, I don't own Spider Man Homecoming, and I don't think it's on Netflix, so I got to uh, rewatch. I've only seen that one the two times I saw it in theater. I need to go back and rewatch it. It might still be. I don't think. I think. I think all the MCU shows are still movies are still on Netflix until I think it might. Ant Man. Uh, yeah, it's, it's Ant Man uh, that Ant-Man isn't yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think. I think if you look, Homecoming might be on Netflix. Yeah. Oh, it's not. Oh, it's okay. not. It's not. I didn't. See, I didn't think it was. I know, like, Doctor Strange is, and Ragnarok is. It might be because it's actually produced by Sony, even though it's in the MCU, so maybe that's why. That makes sense. Yeah, Yeah, Black Panther was the newest one that just came out on Netflix. And that came out, I think, in August. All right. But yeah, no, I'm just really curious. You weren't on the Spider-Man Homecoming podcast, so I was interested in your thoughts. And then it's like, 
And you and see, I thought the hurricane was going to be your prime because you said you had power, and so I was like, oh, okay, he's going to publish those reviews during the hurricane, yeah. <laughs> and you never did, <laughs> even though you're just sitting around, nothing to do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wasn't just sitting around; I was watching Game of Thrones. You know? <laughs> Priorities, <sighs> yeah. Come on, Ethan. <laughs> but I would—I mean, just broad strokes, yeah, because I'm sure our listeners care about my opinion about Spider-Man <laughs> while listening to a Cloak and Dagger podcast, but. I liked it a lot better than you did. Okay. I think. <laughs> wow. Okay. I liked it pretty well. Yeah. This came, didn't you, you ranked that one pretty low on your list. Well, you? but I mean, I still gave it, I think, a seven out of ten, which is you know, pretty good. Well, that's because even even the bad Marvel movies are good right. movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just because like there's a lot of eight out of tens, nine out of tens, but seven out of ten is still yeah, a exactly. really good movie. But, I, mean, I, I have to look. I might have given it an eight out of ten. I, I know it's not one of the nines because I know what I know all the nines off the top of my head, but I'd have to go back and see where I put it. Yeah, but that, that's just how Marvel is, and that even that brings it back even to Cloak and Dagger, where like my problems with this show are just I have such high expectations for Marvel pro- products. If this was on CW, it'd be a fantastic. All right, let me show. ask you a question. All right, this does pertain to Cloak and Dagger. How would you rate Cloak and Dagger against Runaways? Runaways is better. Okay. Runaways is better. Okay. I would agree with that, but I'm just, I'm just curious because those two shows are comparable to me. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, would you rec- I would recommend Runaways to just about anyone within reason. <laughs> any, any genre. <laughs> <fans>. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but Cloak and Dagger, it'd be a select few. It'd be like, yeah, the Marvel completionist or. Or just fans of, like, if you were a, a, a passing fan of the Netflix shows and you are asking, should I watch it? I'd be like, yeah, but um, it, Runaways is more yes. Okay. All right, so um, Ryan and Mike, thank you guys both for being on the podcast today. Loved it. Thanks for having me. And that's the end of our Cloak and Dagger episode. We hope that you enjoyed it and you can let us know whether you did or not in a variety of ways. One way is to go to our website and leave a comment, and that's 42cast.com. You can tweet to us at at 42cast, or you can go to Facebook at facebook.com slash 42cast, or you can leave us feedback at either Stitcher Radio or iTunes. You can also email us at everything at 42cast.com. I do want to mention that the ESO Network has a Patreon. You can go there at patreon.com slash ESO Network. Uh, they have different tier levels and reward levels. You can get exclusive episodes there. So uh, definitely check that out. Keep the station funded. Aside from that, I did want everybody to know that I will be at Dragon Con this year. I don't have my complete schedule yet, but once I do, I will post those details. So if you'd like to come by and let me know that you like the 42 cast, I would love to hear from you. I cannot get to Dragon Con every year. At best, it's probably going to be a once every three year, once every four year kind of proposition. Uh, so if you're in the Atlanta area and you're regular at Dragon Con, this is going to be uh, your only chance to see me for several years. So take advantage of it, because <laughs> I'd definitely like to meet uh, people who listen to the show. So yeah, I think that's a wrap on the episode. We've definitely got some great episodes lined up for you. Stuff talking about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Jessica Jones legion so watch out for those but with that join us back here next week when ming na wen will not be joining us and until then this is nathan signing off
You have been listening to the 42 Cast, copyright 2019. Got a question for the ultimate answer? Contact us at everything at 42cast.com. Theme music is Sharper Swords by Brandon Ellis. Check out more of his work at www.cityfires.com. The 42 Cast is a proud member of the ESO Network. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.